All right, get ready for another, uh, well, wonderful edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show. We're going to go outside the box with Ty Bollinger in hour two, uh, joining us uh, to talk about a lot of uh, subjects and news stories. Uh, first up in hour one, though, my good friend, it's been a while since she's been on, Dr. Janet Levitin. And thank you, honey, for my tea. I have the best, best wife. Thank you, baby. So we've got a lot more healing to go, and we're just getting warmed up. There's a lot to talk about, including the illusion of consensus and more. And what, what does Dr. Levitin want to talk about? Well, some we have covered a bit. Uh, it is the uh, gender dysphoria, the uh, transgender movement. What is that from a physician's perspective as well as uh, other perspectives that we can share as human beings? We'll figure that out more on the on the show in just a moment. Check it out, robertscottbell.com slash listen. The chat room is open and available. We'll say hi there as well. And I'd say, Super Don, let's get this healing party started right about now. The Robert Scott Bell Bell Show. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty. The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, middle of the week here. For those of you following along live, uh, 10th of May, 2023, the Robert Scott Bell Show is on again. Uh, Ty Bollinger joins us in hour two, Dr. Janet Levitin in hour one, and a myriad of stories to cover. Super Don making it sound so good. Thanks for being here. Say hello in the chat room at robertscottbell.com slash listen or the various social media uh, groups that we haven't been uh, banned on yet, or maybe we're back from being banned. Uh, We'll see. But freedom of speech is important to us. And I know it's important to you. And a shout out to Mike Adams, the health ranger, who just interviewed our good buddy, Jonathan Emore, who's running for the United States Senate. I just was watching the first few minutes of that interview. I'm anxious to see the whole thing, but uh, I can do my show first. And then Jonathan will be on with us tomorrow uh, per our schedule of the Sacred Fire of Liberty edition that we do each week here. And uh, y'all check out Jonathan Emore, Emore4VA, Emore4Virginia.com to support a uh, man of great constitutional character to become the next United States Senator from the Commonwealth of Virginia to displace uh, Tim Kaine, make him go home, retire him. Uh, with that, let's uh, crank up some of the stories here on, uh, you know that C word? No, not cancer. I know we've covered cancer a lot, but uh, no, the C word I'm talking about is consensus. And how consensus is just a, uh, it's a form of uh, collectivism. It's a, it's a reductionist set of like who, who has the most influence? Who has the, the well, the in on what is the thing we want to have happen? And let's manufacture whoever we perceive or promote as the official sanctioned opinions out there, whether it be in, well, particularly in the scientific and, and medical realm. Uh, we've had a lot of leading us down a path of toxicity and disease and degeneration by medical consensus, which really translates to pharmaceutical consensus, which really translates into collectivist consensus. Because as you look at um, modern medicine and how it's transpired since the Flexner Report of 1910, it's descended into a collective, a collectivist ideology where in theory you think, okay, I'm going to go to my doctor. My doctor is going to respond to me and my needs. And then you find out, no, it's pretty much a, a, a generic one-size-fits-all scenario, even though there's some elements of individual biochemistry, individual uh, continents in terms of emotional health and mental health, and what you believe, all of that. But at the same time, we're going to say, hey, you know what? This series of symptoms means this drug is, is required. 
even if there is no analysis done or can be conducted to determine a deficiency in any particular synthetic FDA-approved chemistry or chemical uh, conglomeration. You know, it doesn't exist. We don't have chemical deficiencies in terms of petrochemical patented medicines, which is what the establishment of the uh, Flexner Report and the sanctioning and accrediting of medical schools was uh, basically set up to do. And now in the era of the 20th century rise of the vaccine, which we were wrongly led to believe reduced the uh, manifestation of disease and supposedly uh, suppressed or reduced the mortality associated with those diseases in the 20th century, it turns out things like sanitation, sewage, hygiene, uh, nutrition really were the, we call them culprits, causal elements in better health, right, in overcoming disease or preventing it, in fact. And then we come to the COVID crazy years. We've just uh, kind of survived and we're in this lull between the next declared pandemic that they'll lock us down or attempt to lock us down and shut us down. We found that many medical doctors, nurses in, in, included, certainly media personalities, governmental authorities, uh, et cetera, uh, determined that everybody needed to get this injection via this new technology called mRNA. And uh, it's the only way we're going to get through this. How many times did we hear that? You get through this because we say this is the only way you'll get through this. And and through consensus, they said, well, the majority of us believe who are us, the majority of the doctors, the scientists, the government, the media parroted that stuff. And we went, yeah, of course, let's get the jab. Now, none of you here hopefully did that. Those of you who have joined us after the fact regret the decision of getting the jab. We're here for you, too. I don't abandon you because of decisions you made that I disagree with. That's not my way. And, and hopefully most of your, you people, who are you people? You know who you are. <laughs> Don't stand against those who took the shot. You want to help them too. You care enough about humanity and individuals within it to say, you know what, just because you made a decision I didn't make, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to kick you out. Unlike uh, many of these hospitals that said, unless you get a jab, even today, we're not going to give you medical treatment, whatever it may be, or a surgery or something like that. How horrible, how cruel is that? But I'm trying to elaborate on consensus to help you understand consensus. The basis of consensus is collectivism. It's democracy. It's voting on and getting a majority to believe something. And therefore, the minority doesn't matter, doesn't count, even if they're right. We can't even consider that they're right because it doesn't matter because the majority of us believe something. Remember, I've told you about the danger of democracy. It's two chemotherapy doctors, right? Two oncologists and a homeopath voting on what to do to treat cancer. In a, in a majoritarian democracy, even if you want the natural options, you're, you're screwed because uh, the majority say this. We voted on it. Democracy, ha, great. Democracy is mob rule. It doesn't defend the ultimate minority, which is you, the individual, me, the individual, super Don, the individual. And so consensus, again, is collectivism. One size fits all. Does everybody suffer from an mRNA injection deficiency disease or syndrome? No, it's never before been in existence. And yet, even as they are still undergoing clinical trials, phase whatever, to determine what they claim to be true, which is not factual at all, that it's safe and effective. Once again, I urge you, if you're new to the show and you haven't heard me say it, you've got an excuse. If you are not new to the show and you've heard me say it and you haven't seen it yet, what is going on? Go to utahsafeandeffective.org, and for free, you can watch the documentary film that the uh, Independent Health, Health Alliance, Health Independence Alliance, helped put together. I was part of that, and it's a wonderful documentary that goes into the conflicts of interest 
institutional conflicts of interest between medicine and state, medicine and media, medicine and church even, to give you a perspective on what went wrong and maybe how not to allow that to happen again, positing some new thoughts in that regard. How do we restore, um, not consensus, but sense, <laughs> sense to medicine, all forms. Now, the other thing about consensus is if you dominate, you know, the communication, as you see, and all these things are linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. Check it out, including this Brownstone article I'm referring to. Uh, when you see uh, the, the statements made by those who were so wrong, even today, right? The doctors and scientists that were, these are the guys, these are the gals to listen to. <coughs> and you see how wrong they were. Why? Oh, why? Do we still go to those same institutions and people now, today, to help fix the problems that they actively engaged in making sure would happen? And this is where I put out my plea to you as we move forward, whether it's on any level, local, state, federal, or whatever level, that you begin to invite, if you have the capacity to do so, the thought forms or the thoughts and the people, the doctors and non-doctors alike, who got it right. From the word go, the homeopaths, the naturopaths, the chiropractors, and, you know, these herbalists, the holistically minded, maybe, um, dare I say, non-molecular reductionist physicians that got it right. Now, this is not to condemn those who got it wrong that are now making amends and, and trying to do it and make it right, but to have them lead the charge as they caught up at the last minute, the last second to correct the error of their ways and still don't fully understand totally or even maybe significantly the wrongheaded idea of injecting foreign animal RNA and DNA, much less human aborted fetal cells and heavy metals and adjuvants and, and antigens and things into the human or animal body to elicit an antibody response. If you get that in order to prevent diseases, if it's the only thing the immune system does. An antibody is fine if you have it, but it's not necessary or sufficient necessarily to prevent any given disease, nor is the absence of it a guarantee that you're going to suffer from any given disease. Yet that holy grail still persists. We still see billions and billions, maybe trillions, if you will, as the inflation continues, of dollars being thrown into research on new ways to elicit antibodies to be produced by the body by mRNA technology, because, you know, the old vaccine technology is, uh, well, it's too expensive. It's too slow. We can instantly get on a CRISPR and uh, manufacture this. And instantly we have these injections that have proven to be a disaster, an abject disaster. So I ask you, are we going to go and make the same mistake? Because what do they say? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So if you go to the same institutions, whether it's Fauci or a replacement for Fauci, whether it's the NIH or whoever's running the NIH now or CDC, or et cetera, or the WHO, on and on it goes. Do you expect that they're going to actually come to Jesus, if you will, from a medical perspective and see the error of their ways and completely cut bait, as they say, cut your losses and start moving in a proper direction? That is one that looks at humanity and the body as the cells are intelligent, much smarter than any degree degree, medical degree or otherwise, and one that's rooted in not molecular reductionism, but in more of an eclectic, uh, energetic viewpoint. We talk about the various fields of medicine that, in, well, that encompass body, mind, and spirit. 
This is why I'm encouraging physicians and nurses as well that have been trained allopathically to go back to school, not in a way that they go back into debt, a way that's affordable, like from our friends at Trinity School of Natural Health, and gain an education that they didn't get in a Flexner Report Medical School. And if they got it, they got it after they graduated to undo the learning, undo the programming, to do right, to do better, to make amends, to repent and actually do better. Consensus, manufactured consensus. It is definitely not the way I go. And of course, if we show you this clip real quick as a reminder, Dell Bigtree interviewed Neil deGrasse Tyson um, last week or so, and we played a little bit of the clip there talking about the, the, you know, the conclusion Neil deGrasse Tyson came to, and you'll hear the individual doesn't matter, right? Copernicus, Galileo, Ignace Semmelweis, Wakefield, Duesberg, individuals don't matter, despite that's how all breakthroughs happen. One person goes, oh my gosh, look at this. Doesn't matter. It's consensus. It's what the majority believe. Democracy is dangerous. And you'll see it in medicine, kill people every day, still does to this day. Let's play that clip. We had a medical consensus around a product that we knew nothing about. And the medical consensus around a virus nothing. that told us that they knew nothing about. That, that they kept something. telling us we know very little about it. Mm -hmm. So why was there a medical consensus that was keeping out renowned scientists from the conversation when they were telling us on television, we don't know a lot about this virus, we're trying to figure it out. Scientists that were on the ground, that were dealing with patients, were being censored, were being shut down. Their YouTube channels were being shut down. Their LinkedIn's were being shut because down. Because the individual scientist does not matter. We started this conversation on that very but fact. But the scientific the individual method scientist. does. Yes, of course it does. And the scientific method producing a consensus and whatever is that consensus all right then i'll moment, tell you this kind of the best you when have i can time. look you you know what that reminds me of now having watched this a few times super don that scene from uh, a few good men i think it was where uh tom cruise's character was uh going after uh jack nicholson right the general great movie right do you remember yep. that point where he broke him and he said oh, i gave yes. the order and i do right. it again it reminded me right i did yeah. and, and this is the moment where Dell brilliantly got Neil deGrasse Tyson to admit, admit the individual doesn't matter. That was an equivalent in terms of a movie and a real, and real life scenario mm -hmm. where the, the, the basic flaw, the fundamental flaw of modern science and medicine is that they do not acknowledge actual scientific breakthrough. When they say evidence-based medicine, the evidence is whatever fits their narrative or their consensus. And everything outside of that has to be rejected summarily. Yeah, and but remember also that uh, evidence-based medicine is kind of old and busted at this point, especially for the skeptics. Yeah, they don't like evidence-based medicine. No, because, because they're afraid that other evidence might show up that well, might contradict what it is that they say is the way it is. So they have gone to science-based science -based medicine, medicine now, so based yes. on the belief in science as religion. Again, we come back to consensus. Right. Consensus demands, like a religion does, commands fealty. Uh, to their dogma, their belief system. And then science is no longer science. It's a religion or a cult. So with that, let's bring a scientist, a doctor in. Not not that one that I denigrate at all because she's wonderful. She's lovely. She's got a golden heart. Known her for many years. She's been on the show. It's been a while and I'm glad she reached out to me. And we're going to talk about the gender stuff, uh, you know, the dysphoria and gender reassignment. But uh, Dr. Janet Levinson, back on the Robert Scott Bell Show. Janet. Yes, after years, after years. Glad to be here. So good to see you here. It's great to see you as well. Now, you know, many of my friends that know you knew you, you used to work with uh, Dr. Tenpenny in the clinic. You now have another place. We've got it linked up in the show notes where you're working now and still, I guess, consulting, seeing patients. I am. Yeah, okay. I used to see both children and adults, but now I'm 
pretty much limiting myself to children because I like them better. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They're easier as a rule. They haven't been as jaded and, and, and corrupted in that sense. And you have an yeah. opportunity to really help them. And of course, a lot of what you do, you know, has been to undo the damage caused by the medical class community that adopted this idea of collectivism. Everybody gets the same shot, even though it's absurd to think, hey, is there one drug out there, Dr. Levitin, that everybody needs to be on? Because it's it, no, of course, it's silly. Well, that's exactly why I became an alternative doctor. I was going through my training and I didn't really bond with it very well. I, I can assure you that. But I saw that kids were coming in, they maybe had ear infections, asthma, we're giving them antibiotics, we're giving them steroids. Now, if somebody comes in, they have a problem and they take one course of antibiotics, they get better, they move on and they're fine. I don't have that much problem with that. But the problems are recurring. You're giving them the same treatment over and over again, maybe a double dose of what you've already given them a stronger version of what you've already given them. And that just didn't, didn't sit with me. It's in the antibiotics, steroids, and vaccines. And I, I didn't want to keep doing that. I thought if I can't find a different way to do this, I'm just not even going to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. And that's when I discovered homeopathy. We all, we love homeopathy. And uh, I loved your monologue because you're talking about collectivism. Homeopathy is the exact Our opposite. opposite exactly. It's you're looking at the individual. Mm -hmm. And like I meet with people, I spend an hour or more, and I'm just getting to know all the nuances of that person, understanding that person. And so many people will come in and, and they'll say, gosh, um, nobody ever heard my story before. Mm -hmm. You really took the time to listen to it and understand it. Yeah, I just think it it's so honoring of of you know the the journey that we have that leads us to what we call dis-ease perhaps, imbalanced dysfunction and to acknowledge that in each case there may be common factors, you know, and and I'll, and I'll say this as my training as a clinical homeopath out of the drainage French school, it looked at the common factors and said, "Hey, we can always start here in terms of toxicity and dysfunction that's almost across the board and say, we can hit remedies that can address some of the physiology to clear the terrain so that there's less interference, you know, much like we the chiropractic model talks about innate intelligence. If the nervous system has interference, it can't respond. And homeopaths look at it vitalistically, a vitalistic view, not a, a molecular reductionist. But we also acknowledge that we can, you know, have a body that is so corrupted and gummed up because the processes of elimination and detoxification yeah. aren't working. Uh, so it's a fascinating journey that we're not throwing out common features or factors that we have in an environment we all live in, but also recognizing, as you point out, the individual needs that can differ from patient to patient, person to person, child to child. I mean, there's certain things that are obvious. We all need clean water. We all need clean air. We all need love and kindness. We all need food that comes from the earth. Uh, something I heard recently, eat food that comes from a plant, not a manufacturing plant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's an improvement by things that come from animals, but single ingredient foods that come out of the earth, not foods that are laced with chemicals and denatured and exactly processed. You are, and speak, speaking of that, I mean, you know, over the time that we've been alive and uh, practicing in our own uh, arenas uh, from medical to homeopathic and otherwise, I, I remember growing up and I've talked with Super Don as, you know, our experience of, you know, seeing ailments and illnesses. I was the canary in the coal mine of my generation. I had a lot of things uh, that were now are now commonplace among young people that were more rare then. But I think about rarity. Uh, I think about gender uh, dysphoria, uh, confusion, and even uh, doctors that are focusing on converting a male body to a female body as if that were possible or somehow vice versa. And uh, just because you can do or attempt to do something, is it I don't know, is it correct? Is it right? And I know that 
in history, it's not that there's never been anybody born before this time that was confused about their gender or wanted to be the other gender. I'm not saying that it didn't happen, but it was certainly so rare as to never really make the news. I mean, if, if it did, it was just so rare, uh, as opposed to now where we're talking significant percentages of young people saying, hey, I, I, I'm not sure if I'm a male or a female, or I want to be the opposite sex. So I'm like, there's got to be an explanation or a series of explanations that you can talk about with me and our audience. So historically, something like one in 10,000 children would have gender dysphoria. And it would, typically it was in boys. So a little boy around the age of two or three who would just insistently and persistently think they were a girl. Um, usually these children would kind of, uh, you know, grow out of it or if, and if they didn't, well, that was pretty rare, um, or they might turn out to be gay. Um, but it was just one in 10,000 people. Now in the current age, it's like one in 50 and it's a totally different demographic. It's mostly girls and, um, middle school, high school years. So there's definitely something going on. I mean, it's it's kind of similar to autism. That used to be one in 10,000. Yeah. Actually, it wasn't heard of until they started putting aluminum and diphtheria vaccines in 1932. Autism was never even described before that. Right, but even when we were kids, Janet, I don't remember anybody getting a di diagnosis. Uh, we saw um, what it used to be called mental retardation, for, in for instance, and um, um, Down syndrome, for instance. That's the thing we knew, and yet, now, if you don't know somebody on the spectrum, it, you know, it's, it's rare to find somebody that doesn't. And, and so, yes, I agree. The parallels are, are interesting here as we're seeing the rise of all kinds of strange maladies that were rare, 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 now becoming more commonplace. Well, it's really a sad thing for me to say, but is there an echo? Okay. Um, it's a really here. sad thing for me to say, but children are brain damaged these days. I mean, they're, they're not normal. They, they have brain damage and it's because of environmental toxins, largely um, vaccines, which is a very direct, directly injected environmental toxin, aluminum. But just going back to the one in 50, the, sorry, yeah, one in 50 children, mostly girls in the teen and preteen years. And it's been called a social contagion. Um, it's like one used to be a social contagion of, um, you know, eating disorders, maybe cutting, you know, anorexia. And now it's morphed into a social, what they call a social contagion of gender dysphoria. Mm -hmm. And I mean, children nowadays are being introduced to the idea that gender is a spectrum and you can question your gender and you can choose your gender when they're in, in preschool and in, in kindergarten. It, it, is this being taught? I know when you were going through uh, your medical school training, this was not taught. No, I, didn't I, I think that there's some evidence it. that it's gotten into the curricula that that's a, it, it's an acceptable thing. This, uh, this ability to move from one gender to another, which belies, you know, genetic fact, much less, you know, the manifestation of the male or the female. Uh, so I, I'm just thinking that they're getting young people that are programmed into these weird beliefs that are not substantiated by, say, scientific fact or reality. Yeah, when you're when you're three, four, or five, you you can't distinguish reality from fantasy. And adults in authority positions are telling you these things. It's it's just it's unbelievable. I, I mean, I guess it is believable, but it's unbelievable from a common sense point of view to yeah. tell little children, "Well, are you a boy or are you a girl? You can choose." One, I heard a story of a little child who came home. It was a little boy, and I guess his friend, who was a boy, had come out as a girl, and he came home and he was asking his mom 
mommy, I think I'm a boy, but am I really a girl? Am I a boy or I'm a girl? I mean, this is so confusing. Mm. But, well, but what is causing it? What is sure. causing it? But we got some of it that we're hitting right now. It's sort of a weird programming occurring that adults that are parents are actually buying into this and encouraging it and being told if they don't, they're somehow, uh, you know, horrible parents, abusive parents, and that they're not encouraging, uh, let's say, drug therapy, hormone suppression or hormone therapy, which we know these things can cause cancer uh, alone, much less the mutilation that, that occurs in a transition, if you will. To the perception of a, a body that is somehow changed but is not really in a sense of male to female in terms of chromosomal realities uh so we have the uh programming if you will that's a you know learned kind of a bizarreness but there is a physiological aspect and element to this that i think we're both in agreement on in terms of exposure uh to environmental factors food factors uh chemical uh, factors that were not in existence before certain phases of the 20th century and now more exposure even in the 21st Yes, well, one of the things I think to consider is the fact that there's DNA from aborted fetuses, fetal, aborted fetal cell lines mm. of both male and female that's being injected into both males and females. And I don't really claim to understand the dynamics of this and how it works, but obviously it's not a healthy, holistic or good thing. And is that DNA inserting itself into our native DNA and creating some sort of confusion? I think that's a good topic for research and maybe there's other people who know more about it than I do, but I think that can be a factor involved. And then of course there's toxic herbicides such as atrazine, which um, there's, there's a scientist Tyrone Hayes who has studied frogs and he, he actually came out and said some things about the vaccine. He's more on the consensus side with Neil deGrasse Tyson. So we'll leave that part of it out. But yep. he has some good uh, lectures about frogs. And if you put one part per billion atrazine into the water that fro male frogs are in, they will turn female and start laying eggs. And apparently our groundwater and just the water we drink is contaminated with something like either three or 30 times that amount. So obviously we're a more complex organism than a frog, but what is that doing? You're in the womb, in your mother's womb, you're a male and you're being exposed to atrazine and other mm -hmm. chemicals such as this. What effect is that having on the testosterone production and the ability to develop into a, a bona fide male. Mm -hmm. I mean, we are, I think we can't get around the fact that we are a sexually dimorphic species, meaning we are male and female. Yes, people can um, come out as another gender, if, if they can identify themselves as another gender, but that doesn't mean that's what they actually are. And right. there are occasional intersex people where mm -hmm. there is a derangement of the chromosomes or there's some influence that takes place chemically in the body that creates you know, maybe ambiguous genitalia. You're not sure if it's a male or a female yeah. when the child is born, but those are the outliers. Sure. It's not like say, you know, someone is born and they don't have any arms. We don't start questioning whether having two arms is normal. We say, oh, here's a person who is different than the norm. Mm -hmm. well, and, and think about um, back in the day, I say, when we're us old people, remember what it was like when we were kids, there were tomboys, girls who love sports and athletics yeah. and got but didn't automatically be believe that they should be boys. I mean, right. we're just, and, and so now if you're a tomboy, I mean, you're being groomed to, apparently to be, Hey, maybe you should, you think you really should be a look at you. You're a boy really. And, and, and at an early age causing this confusion, again, this comes back to the, the uh, programming by adults 
that are preying on the child who, you know, doesn't know left or right at that point. It has to learn and often learns from those, you know, who care for them. And we're yeah, seeing so such bizarre training or programming of these kids to, to where even if there are these chemical abnormalities, which I agree, they're preying on those things and making the next extension to be, hey, we can surgically alter you, which is like brutal and and I would argue a butchery. But certainly I support if somebody is over the age of majority, they're an adult and they make a decision like that of their own accord. Uh, that's a different story than what we're talking about here is protecting these kids before they're adults so that they can make an adult decision that is irreversible for the most part. Oh, Robert, it's absolutely horrible. I mean, first of all, if your child is confused and going through this type of confusion, first of all, I have heard it said by Abigail Schreier, who wrote a book. Um, let me make sure I get the name right. Um, irreversible damage. And she talks about the social contagion aspect. And she says that, it basically has taken place because of social media and um, the, the smartphone, the rise of the smartphone. So listen, don't give your children smartphones. If you think they need a phone, give them a flip phone so they can call you or text you, maybe take a few pictures, but they can't connect to the internet with it. They don't need that. Um, don't put your kids in schools that are promoting these type of agendas. Um, homeschool if you can, or, or have your children in a school where you agree with their philosophy. And, you know, some of the stories I've heard is a parent just taking their child and, and, and moving someplace else, getting out of that environment or sending yeah. your child to live on a ranch for nine months where they're, they're around horses, cows, nature, and they're disconnecting from the toxicity of our modern yeah. world. Yeah, talk about healing in nature uh, and eating food as it's, it, was, it was grown. It used to be called food. Now we have to distinguish it by calling it organic or not. Then it's genetically engineered, loaded with toxic chemicals that may, as you're pointing out, alter endocrine function and production. And, uh, and going deeper than that, as you pointed out, who studied the aborted fetal cell issue coming from male and female babies uh, and how it impacts you know, the genders and, and development uh, in the mom, much less once you're born. So there are a lot of factors uh, that I think most of the factors are not being discussed. You know, a lot of the social stuff, constructs and engineering is, but I like that we can talk about as well, the chemical yeah. influx, the alteration via chemistry. And that includes, again, many of these antibiotic drugs that have xenoestrogenic effects or other things that impact hormone development because the gut endocrine function, the gut and the brain, all of these things are very impactful in terms of self-perception and identity. Yeah, well, I've watched a lot of interviews, a lot of podcasts, uh, a lot of blogs, and no one is really talking about the medical causes of it, at least not that I discovered in what I was looking at. A lot about the, the social construct um, and the, root, the roots of it, which go back to Alfred Kinsey and John Money and the terrible um, Reimer twin experiment where, um, well, I could go into this a little bit, but two twin boys were born to this um, family in Canada. And around eight months old, I guess they were gonna go in to have circumcisions done, which is another thing I'm not in favor of, but we don't have to get into that right now. <laughs> anyway, I guess when they were doing the circumcision on the first male twin, um, something went wrong with the equipment and it essentially burned his penis off. So the parents didn't know what to do. And they saw on a TV show that this um, doctor named John Money was talking about how gender is only a social construct that 
no matter how you're born, you can either be raised male or female. So that what should be done with this twin was remove the testicles and raise him as a girl and never, ever tell him that yeah. he was started out as a boy. Mm -hmm. So apparently in his life, the whole time, the child never bonded with being a girl. He always wanted to play with boy identified toys and he wanted to do boy things and he was just miserable. Eventually his parents told him and the story ends up, oh, oh in the meantime, they were going to, these twins were being taken to John Money who was doing follow up on them and doing apparently horrible experiments and sexually abusing them. And hmm. he never retracted his his work when the the twin who was raised as a girl decided he was really a boy and went back to being a man. Mm. Anyway, it ended sadly because um, the one twin who hadn't had the damage done died of a drug overdose. And then um, the one who had had the damage done to him um, committed suicide. So it was yeah. a terrible story. But this is the basis of the the fact the, that they say that gender is a social construct. Right born a sex, but that has nothing to do with your gender. You can choose your gender. Gender is fluid. You can be whatever gender you want. Yeah. I, I can't help but find a lot of fault with the allopathic medical community for not standing stronger against this. And I think about the adoption of vaccination going back to vodka, meaning cow, of course, and um, the smallpox Jenner experiments, which resulted in the first or the rise of the so-called anti-vaccine movement. It didn't happen from Wakefield. It happened from almost the moment this guy came out with his idea as he's taking the yeah. pus from the udders of cows and, and then cutting open the arms and causing such infections that people were dying and or losing limbs uh, historically and that it is ignored. And they went, well, that's a great idea. Let's keep going with it. And every time they introduced these things, ignored all of the devastating impacts because, well, a number of reasons. And, you know, one of them is the profit center of medicine, but the disease creation machinery, et cetera. And so we look back at the history of allopathic medicine and go, there's a fundamental flaw at its start. Not that it doesn't have a place in certain areas. I've talked about like uh, the other day I had uh, a woman on who overcame uh, childhood. 75% of her body was burned and she's alive and she's teaching others about beauty being within because she's had 40 surgeries just to stretch the skin over that's a miracle of modern medicine. I acknowledge that. But when it comes to these fundamental flaws, I, we cannot look the other way. We've got to call it out and say that this is just wrong. Oh, yeah. And I think actually didn't Jenner recant his his findings on his deathbed? I think I heard that. that well, he, he Bechon, and, and Pasteur, you have that in the germ theory uh, battle, right, with the law of the terrain. And I know Pasteur said I was wrong. The, the germ is nothing. The terrain is everything. But in terms of Jenner, I don't know. But we do know that in in terms of the polio shot, the vaccine. Remember, uh, Sock said he wouldn't give it to his own children. So there's a lot of history there of oh, awakenings yeah. when it comes to their own family members. So you know, I call that out fundamentally and philo philosophically. And God bless you, Dr. Janet Levitin, for becoming a homeopath and seeing yeah. you know the the error not to say that we throw all of modern medicine out when i say that i have to you know because people go oh you just hate doctors no i don't in fact some of my best friends happen to be doctors uh it, it, i don't discriminate but the point is what is their heart what is their mind what are they doing are they approaching life and going like you know we're talking about yes we need to program kids into believing that gender is fluid and they can just change it surgically i'm not going to be very friendly with someone like that no. Uh -huh. Well, listen, modern medicine is good if you need your life saved. If you're in an accident, you have a laceration, you have a fracture, you, you can't breathe, you're having a heart attack. That's where we excel. Oh, yeah. But for care of chronic 
ailments. I'm no, just they, they won't acknowledge that they cause most of them too. <laughs> so undoing them. There's there's nothing wrong with our with our genes. Our genes are not causing us to be sick. Our genes right. haven't changed. And there's nothing wrong with us except that we believe that we can't self-correct and we don't have the tools for self-correcting, mm-hmm. which is detoxifying, eating yes. healthy, having love in your life, these things. But well, just belief again. Isn't it a belief system? Uh, that you're programmed in as coming back to flex and report medical schools, they, they have you believe certain things. If you question some of those beliefs, they will drum you out before you become a doctor. You know, if you ask too many questions like, uh, mm, I don't think this is going to work for you. And, and my uncle warned me about it. And that's why I didn't end up going to medical school and end up as, as a homeopath years later, I didn't even know about it. Uh, but you know, you described to me talking off the air about the discomfort with some of the things you went through to become a physician. Oh, yeah, it it was very challenging for me because I I was young and I didn't really know what I was doing when I got into it. I was kind of following someone else's dream. And pretty shortly after I got into school, I realized it wasn't really for me. And I had to make a decision. Am I going to continue with this or not continue with this? And I decided to continue with it after much soul searching and taking some time off and discovering that there's a whole world of alternatives. I decided I'm going to get my degree and then I'm going to do something different. And that's why I became a homeopath and and the doctor that I am. And thankfully I didn't have like the massive student debt that people these days have. So you have to get into the system, but I don't want to miss the opportunity to get around to talking about vaccines and the connection to this. Yes, please, please. Yes. Which, um, is I I believe has a connection with aluminum because aluminum is a mineral that really before about the turn of the century, all the aluminum in the world was in the earth's crust. And aluminum has no place in the human body. It wasn't until they started mining and discovered aluminum and hey, this lightweight, malleable, very usable metal, we can make it into all these different things. Hey, we can put it in cookware, we can put it in food storage, we can put it in foods, we can put it in medicines. And aluminum started getting into the human body where it has no biological function, it's only a toxin. So one of the most direct exposures we can have to aluminum is through adjuvants in vaccines. I'm sure your audience probably know what what adjuvants are, but adjuvants are added to vaccines to make them essentially stronger, cause more of an inflammatory reaction. And all adjuvants are not aluminum, but most of them are. So a child at this point, because of the aluminum added into vaccines, will have about five milligrams injected into their body by the time they're about 18 months. Now, some people have better detoxification mechanisms than others, but some people, this is just going to accumulate in the body. And I'll just put in a a public service announcement. I do have my bottle of Fiji water here. It doesn't have to be Fiji, but the thing thing that's special, special about Fiji is it has naturally occurring silica. And according to one of the world's foremost aluminum researchers, Christopher Exley, naturally occurring silica in a mineral water is the best way, if not even the only way of detoxifying from aluminum. So I'll take yeah, this. I agree. We've talked about uh, silica. In fact, you know, we know in the Earth's crust, aluminum is often found bound to silica. Yes. Because mm-hmm. it's a normal, you know, adjunct. But when you separate it out, then aluminum becomes free and active and engages in all kinds of destruction within the human and animal body, including neurological damage, brain damage, et cetera, mimicking a lot of the neurological degradation diseases and probably... Uh, some negative effects on endocrine function. 
Uh, oh, yes. Well, so kids um, and the brain, for sure, the brain. I mean, without aluminum in the brain, you would not have Alzheimer's and you would not have autism either. Aluminum content is very high in the brain of people with Alzheimer's and even higher in the brains of people who have autism, um, according to Christopher Exley and his research. But so so let's think about this. Um, kids are being born and right right up out of the gate, they're one day old or two days old, they're getting a hepatitis B vaccine that contains aluminum. Then they're getting pertussis containing vaccines. They're getting hepatitis A, they're getting Haemophilus influenza B, all of these things contain aluminum. And then you get your two or three year old starting to question, hey, am I a boy or a girl? They're getting confusion in, in their mind. Mm -hmm. And then right around um, middle school or high school, we got the HPV, which has a horrible form of, of aluminum, um, amorphous aluminum hydroxyphosphate sulfate as the adjuvant, a ter terrible form of aluminum, mm -hmm. meningitis vaccines and another Tdap vaccine. And that's right before this spike of this social contagion is taking place. But um, I, there's a fascinating connection with homeopathy. So with homeopathy, experiments are run to find out the toxicity profile of substances. So we give an attenuated a form of aluminum to people and we follow the symptoms that develop, especially the mental symptoms, the mental state, the dreams. And so some of the symptoms that come out in aluminum, it's just fascinating are, I'm gonna read off this list I have of mm -hmm. rubrics associated with aluminum toxicity, which is um, confusion of identity confusion of identity, you're toxic mm. aluminum and you're confused about your identity, no. delusion or faulty thought, um, belief that your head belongs to another person, talks as if another person talks through him, his intentions are contradictory to his speech. And then there's obstinate, resists the wishes of others, that comes out and these, these kids are being told and rejecting their parents often because the parents just want them to be, you know, normal, whatever normal is. Uh, defiant, contemptuous, morbid impulses, suicidal disposition, has horrid thoughts of killing herself, even though she abhors the idea. Um, it, it's like depersonalization, confusion of identity. It's, it's like the state of these transgender people. Isn't that fascinating? Absolutely fascinating. I've got my Materia Medica here and um, you can uh, review these remedies for what they uh, do. There's the alumina, oxide of aluminum as well here with a lot of uh, things you can learn about. But what you're bringing up is to your right. And there's the alumina silicata, which is you know normally bound there in a homeopathic form. But uh, what you're bringing up is exactly what you said. This is not being discussed by and large, especially from a homeopathic perspective, because homeopaths rarely, if ever, I can almost say never invited to the table of discussion when it comes to these things. We have been ostracized from, from modern Western society because the plausibility based on medical collectivist reductionism rejects from the get-go, despite 200 plus years of existence and uh, millions of people using it around the world. And if it didn't do anything, it would have faded away. You can't consist, uh, uh, persist doing something that doesn't work for anybody based on its implausibility when it does. And the point that you're bringing up as well with the ongoing and increasing exposure to aluminum, uh, particularly with the vaccine agenda uh, and, and a lot of things that have happened neurologically in the autism spectrum, et cetera. But to, to point out what you're, or to reiterate what you're bringing up is the presence of aluminum, the exposure of aluminum. So we have a question from uh, Imire48 in the chat room. 
where do you recommend to start if your teen daughter is identifying male? Now, we can't give you a definitive answer on this, but I'll say that listening to what Janet is saying, you have some clues to recognize in terms of toxicological burdens in the body that are very real and manifesting as behaviors and beliefs as well that have been shown up in terms of the exposure to aluminum alone. And we know that aluminum is a burden for almost every system of the body that, as you point out, there's no basis for it. So get them drinking, if it's not Fiji water, uh, you know, silicon supplementation. Uh, You know, we use 100% whole food forms of silica as supplements, and that helps for brain and nervous system function as well as binding uh, although, although according to Exley, it has to be naturally occurring silica in a naturally occurring mineral water to detoxify the aluminum, not the yeah. other thing. And I don't dispute that uh, what he's found. I don't know that I would uh, completely agree that you can avoid or need to avoid silica in other forms of food that would be. Oh, not avoid. It just may not help detoxify from aluminum. Right. But also utilizing silicea as a homeopathic could be indicated in some cases. Uh, and even aluminum met as a homeopathic remedy to counteract some of these things. So consider that we have tools for your daughter, for instance, that are not considered by going to any quote unquote regular allopathically trained doctor. And there's other things that Abigail Schreier talks about in her book, um, Irreversible Damage, which I do recommend. Um, she goes into some things that can be done, which is in a loving way to not agree to call the child by their their new you know chosen pronouns so in a loving way continue to call that person her, her name and use her original pronouns and um get them off of social media get the phone away from them i know these things are not easy to do but yeah um, these yeah, could be life and death matter because there's another aspect to to these gender dysphoria scenarios it's suicidal ideation behaviors and that, yeah. that's more r- risky than taking their phone away, I believe, or getting yeah. them out into nature and getting them on organic food. I mean, who the heck is 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 going to you know survive this if we continue to put those same chemicals in them that are also contributing to this? And get them out of the environment that's fostering this this thought process, which might mean moving. It might mean taking them out of a school. It might mean doing something that seems kind of radical, but it could be life changing. But but Robert, you you just alluded to something. They're really um, they're they're saying to people whose children are identifying as a different gender do you want a a a, a dead daughter or a live son this is just emotional yeah. blackmail and the statistics are actually showing that there is more suicide with people who you know transition, yeah, transition exactly yeah gender. maybe not right away but down the line, maybe seven or eight years later, people are starting to question, what did I do? I had my two healthy breasts cut off. I had my, yeah. I had my uterus removed. I had my penis and testicles removed. Oh, no, I could no. never reproduce. Uh, and- I remember, you know, a long time ago, considering being a parent, uh, how we would raise our kids, right? And, and you know, we heard the same, be loving enough to your kids to allow them to hate you, to let them hate you because you're doing something they really don't like or don't want. And then, you know, coming to the other side of it, you find that these kids, as they grow, they ultimately go, thank you for standing your ground on that issue. Uh, you know, and it's, there's more respect. There's so much more that comes out of it. But you're right. This emotional blackmail of saying, well, if you don't go along with what they're saying, would you rather have that child in the gender he's in or she's in dead because they're going to commit suicide if you don't reassign them? And to your point, there's more suicide after the fact if you will. So there's a lot of things that contribute to suicidal ideation and behavior. And a lot of it comes from even the psychiatric drugs that many of these kids are put on. 
I mean, if there's some other sort of dysphoria or or mental issue, are we going to are we going to sanction it and promote it like with anorexia? Are we going to say, oh, you know, someone's too thin, they're not eating? Oh, yes, I agree with you. You are overweight. Yes, we're going to put you on more calorie restriction. We're going to give you liposuction. No, you wouldn't do that. You would try to treat the person for the problem that they were having, the body dysmorphia yeah. problem. So I, I feel very betrayed by the medical profession because there's something like 22 professional organizations that are promoting this stuff. And yeah. I don't even know how many hospitals are doing these surgeries. Very What's profitably it? too, as they're covered and mandated into coverage uh, by these insurance schemes, government, government, private partnership, public part, whatever. Um, so yeah, this is the point. And also I, you know, I bring up Vera Sharav and her never again, never again has, has gone, gone global talking about the way that, um, uh, our society has moved into the suppression of alternative viewpoints, but it's not that it's like any viewpoint that doesn't fit the narrative of the, again, the consensus here that we talked about at the opening. And uh, we must recognize the signs and symptoms as a good doctor of any kind would to indicate this is what this means. And this is where this will lead. If we don't, you know, correct it now, we're so far off course in that regard. And the medical profession, as it's institutionalized via Flexor Report Medical Schools is so far off course. We have many physicians and nurses on this show and, and others saying, I've just had to abandon it all and start a new course of action because they're so corrupted. I, I don't see a way to correct their course. Yeah, it, it, it's it's scary times we're living in. There's another book that I read by a, a woman, Deborah So, called The End of Gender. And she she is a scientist and she basically had to leave science because you couldn't State, state your scientific facts. I mean, this is also happened to Christopher Exley when he started right. talking about aluminum occurring in vaccines. He got, he got kicked out of his university, not, not right away. It took a little while, but, and he's a consummate scientist. He's just totally wants the truth. He wants to, to talk about the truth. And that's something very, very um, uh, material. It's aluminum. And here we're talking about psychiatry and psychology. So it's not like a hard science, but this woman had to leave biology being a scientist and become a journalist because she wasn't allowed to talk about this. People are getting deplatformed. I mean, during the pandemic, um, I was part of an international group of homeopaths. We were treating people successfully. We didn't have any deaths, yeah. probably no hospitalizations either, but do you ever see a homeopath on even... No an alternative show. I mean, your show. Yeah. Well, that's the point. I mean, those bigger I, alternative shows. Right. But I wish, uh, you know, as I told you off the air and I'll say it on the air, I'm glad that you reached out to me because I just don't have the capacity to reach everybody I want on the show, including you. And I'm so grateful, you know, you are wonderful and you're a friend and you have knowledge that I want to be shared. Right. And as a fellow homeopath, it's like, there's very few of us to go around much less that are willing to talk about it. So to your point, I keep bringing that up. We are not invited to talk on these shows very rarely. Even some of the shows that are considered alternative, they, they look at homeopathy as like, no, nah, I can't go there. But the point is we've had the options, the solutions, the remedies, we still have them. And more and more are beginning to discover that, even those coming from the physician community. But I'm not waiting. I'm going to communicate it as you are. And I'm glad that you're here with me. And I hope that it won't be so long between visits because yeah, we don't to share. I allow that. It's a little out of my comfort zone just to, to talk and like I say to you, you have the gift of gab, but I don't always have Oh, you're doing so great. Honestly, you know, when we're in conversation like this, it's, not, not, it's a beautiful flow. You're doing great, Janet. I appreciate it. And but those of you who don't know about Dr. Janet Levitin, she's now uh, got a website, Hyper Health 
hyperhealthwc.com. I believe it is hyperhealthwc. That's for wellness center. Yeah, wellness, wellness center, right? And there's, yeah, there it is. Super Don showing it. You can schedule an appointment. You see people in person as well as mostly kids, as you point out. Uh, any consults on like Zoom or whatever it is that you might do? I, I, I can do virtual appointments, but, and I can always meet with people, you know, free of charge if they want to just ask me some questions and find out if my, what I do is, will be right for them. And you're located still in Ohio? Yeah, I'm in, um, my office is in Medina, Ohio. Medina, okay. I know that I'm going to be in Columbus, Ohio uh, in July for a conference and a few events, uh, middle of July. Uh, but uh, I forget how many hours away that is from where you are. Uh, it's uh, maybe an hour and a half or two. Oh, okay. gosh, my computer just um, did something strange. I lost my my visuals here. I can still hear and see you, so you're doing great. We're about okay. wrapping up the hour. Real quick, I wanted to ask you, not, this is also your wheelhouse. The Defender has an article uh, by Environmental Health News says chemicals found in common disinfectants linked to asthma, birth defects, and infertility. Again, the same theme we've been discussing, just another angle on it. Yeah, I, I've been talking about chemicals for 35 or 40 years with people and how fragrance chemicals. Um, I looked at the article that you're referencing. It's benzalkonium chloride and other ammonium chlorides. We have this, um, this obsession with cleanliness, like in germs, we've got to get rid of all germs. We've got to wipe them out. And so we're, you know, using wipes, we're using hand sanitizer, which I have to say, I've never used in my life, except a few times when I was in Haiti and there was no no other option or yeah. water. I use just a essential oil based one. Mm -hmm. um, but why are we constantly wiping ourselves and our surfaces, uh, not uh, not allowing a germ? And and this stuff, it gets on us and then it's going down the drain and it's polluting the environment. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, this is the point of, of uh, speaking out on this because many of our friends out there and loved ones have not been exposed to this, even with all the rise in new media and the devastating uh, impact of uh, consensus science, which is not consent. It's not science. It's more religion and it's cult. Um, so we must have these conversations on an ongoing basis. And uh, do you have any events? Are you doing any local public events where you are or other events coming up? Um, well, the thing that got me to come here today was I did one in the past. Um, I don't have anything scheduled, but I was just on a panel and that's mm -hmm. why I took a deeper dive into this issue because I, I must confess, I don't watch the conventional media as much as I should. And, and the people who come to me are more uh, aware and they're in private schools or homeschooling for the most part. So I, I didn't actually understand how pervasive and deep this problem is until I started delving into it more. And it's just really, um, I knew it was out there, but it's really horrifying. Oh, just to, to lighten things up, I should show this Johnny the walrus. You know, Johnny says he's a walrus and his mother questions it, but the doctor says he's really a walrus. You gotta paint him gray and you gotta feed him worms. But it was the zookeeper, uh, Matt Walsh, who said, no, this is silly. He's just, you know, he's just a kid. It's his imagination. You know, let him pretend he's a walrus, but he's not really a walrus. It's disturbing a bit, just a wee bit. I mean, I love to be able to just laugh at the absurdity, but my gosh, I mean, we've talked about like they have litter boxes in certain schools where kids identify as a dog or a cat. Yeah. I, I, that, that would be a Saturday Night Live skit in, when we grew up and now they're actually doing it. So it's a really sad, devious thing that's happened yeah. and we've got to be willing to speak against it, not because we're hateful, but because we actually loving and caring about the, 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 
the lives of these children that are being destroyed by this strange aberrant grooming of Again, on top of all the chemical influx and heavy metal influx and all that, that's why this conversation is so important. We need to do more of it. And it's not that we're transphobic. We don't hate anybody. We we love and honor everyone where they are, but we want to help the people who are having the problem. Yeah, yeah. Super Don, are there any other uh, links that we put up in the notes or that Janet sent? I just want to make sure some of the things she mentioned, if she's emailed them to us, that we can actually put them in there. For those of you listening, uh, they aren't links, but there, yeah, there are some references there to uh, some uh, different things that she sent. They're in the yeah. show notes. Beautiful. Yeah, it's basically yeah. some blogs and books and documentaries. Um, I don't have the links, but people can go look can for search them. them up. Okay. Well, Dr. Janet Leviton, so good to see you again and hope to see you at an event where we're in person. Give you a great big hug and uh, continue your good work. I don't have to tell you that because I know you will. And uh, just stay in touch as this you know, thing evolves. And if we get more information out there, we need to relate and communicate. You're always welcome here. Yeah. Great to be with you, Robert. Thank you so much. And thank you, Super Don, as always. Yes, absolutely. All right, Dr. Janet Levitin, great back on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We got a whole other hour of broadcast healing to go. If you missed any of what we talked about with Janet, uh, you can so-called rewind it or watch it on the podcast later on the various uh, ways to do it. Shout out to all of you watching on Rumble as well. We appreciate you. If you got any comments, uh, Super on will check it out and we'll check out what you guys are commenting on uh, when we come back from this break, top of the hour, and are joined by our buddy Ty Bolger to go outside the box. RobertScottBell.com slash listen for the chat room. Sign up for the email alerts or as we call them, the newsletter. We've got a new poem. I don't know if we're ready to read that from down under Super Don got. It's, it's another hilarious poem, uh, but there's that and a whole lot more. Thanks for being here. God bless you. The power to heal is yours. So glad you're with me and, and thanks so, so much for sharing the show all y'all because you know, how else are going to people find this? This is not something that's being promoted by uh, any mainstream uh, public relations firms or uh, uh, the networks with this message and, you know, talking like we did last hour with Dr. Janet Leviton about the severity of the uh, gender dysphoria and uh, the gender reassignment surgery, which is just, it's, it's butchery. Absolutely. You know, when you're, when you're under age 18, I mean, again, as an adult, you, you can decide what to do with your body. I might not recommend it, uh, but it's, it's different when we're talking about the, what's happening to kids. And of course, the environmental factors, the medical factors, all of that needs to be discussed. And a lot of it is not. And I'm grateful for Dr. Leverton for being on first hour. Uh, also, upcoming events. Uh, we got First of all, we got Ty Bollinger joining me in just a moment. And I, I got word from uh, my friend Frank Cousineau, who, who uh, of course, Ty knows as well. He's been with the Cancer Control Society annually. They've done for, gosh, between 40 and 50 years now. They've been meeting, usually in the L.A. Basin somewhere. And I got word from Frank that they're going to have it again in, I think, Glendale, California, uh, Labor Day weekend. I've been invited to speak and broadcast. And I know Ty has spoken there as well. I have to ask him if that's even an open possibility with all that uh, Ty does as well. But shout out to uh, Frank Cousino. Also, uh, Bob Riorin with the uh, Folium PX, who connected us again. Uh, if you go to foliumpx.com, this is the stuff, this uh, uh, botanical supercharged Chernobyl-level antioxidant that's helped my mom get back on the dance floor. I've mentioned this a few times. I want to remind you uh, that it now 89, she was 88 December, you know, she was 88 and she struggled last few years 
with or without COVID, we don't know, but she had a lot of health issues that she never had before. It was fading in some points and uh, do all the things I know, got her on the folium. Within two weeks, she calls me and she says, I'm sleeping better. I have more energy. On January 1st of this year, New Year's Day, she was dancing in celebration of the new year. On the 29th of January, when she turned 89, she was again dancing to celebrate her birthday. So I'm very grateful for what Bobri has done. Originally from Georgia, when it was under the Soviet Union control, escape, went to Israel, came to America, and doing great scientific validation on this product. Another layer and level of the options you have. Go to foliumpx.com, RSB10 to get a 10% discount and tell your friends. It's really extraordinary. We've done some interviews on it. Now, with that, the wonderful, often absent, but never not busy. He's got a good excuse every time he's not here. My buddy, my pal, Ty Bollinger, back on the show with his guns in tow. No, in town. How you doing, RSB? Good to see you, buddy. What's up, TMB, man? Look at you working out still. I thought you had given up on that. Not really. You know, um, I made it such progress the last couple of years, I'm not going to give up on it. You know, and you know how it is. You're the same way. You've made a lot of progress since you've been, you know, since you moved there and you started doing the workouts and so forth, you see the incremental increases and nothing is quick. Yeah. It's gradual over gradual. time. But then you see how hard it took, you know, how, what hard work it took to get you there. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to relapse, right? Go back. So well, it, yeah, I'll, continue to, I'll continue to work out. Well, and they don't have to do what you're doing or what I'm doing. My, my point about exercising the body, it's meant to be used. I mean, back in the day when we were all working the land or hunting or whatever we we're doing to survive, we were, you know, much more stressed physically than we are today. Now our physical bodies are suffering because of the lack of physical movement activity. So I would say, find something that you can find some enjoyment in, you know, maybe it's just walking, going for a walk. And that's significant enough. Ty, you must at least a little bit enjoy the kind of weightlifting and the kind of exercise you do to do it. It's not, you know, you go in like, ah, oh. like when I'm going to the kickboxing gym, I'm not thinking, oh my gosh, I'm like, I can't wait to go. It's so much fun. I enjoy it. And so find something that lights you up. Why should you do something that makes you miserable in the, in the guise of trying to do better? Yeah, I agree. And it's, it's kind of the same way with exercising that it would be with like with a job or what you do for a living. Um, do, exercise, do what you like, do what you enjoy. So some people tell me, man, I can't imagine you work out. I love working out with weights. I look forward to it every day. I love training with weights. I always have, mm-hmm. but some people hate it. And I'm, I would tell them, well, then don't do it. Find what you like to do. Maybe it's hiking out. Maybe it's riding a bike. Maybe it's jumping on a trampoline. Maybe you it's know? dancing like mom. Maybe it's dancing. Do what you like. Do what you enjoy. I absolutely love working out with weights. The thing I like about it is it's constant. The weights are always constant. 45 pounds today is the same as 45 pounds yesterday. And it doesn't complain to you. It doesn't yell at you. Right. It doesn't, it's not in a bad mood. Yes. It's you and the weights every day. And it's just, a, it's a personal deal that I love. Mm-hmm. Some people hate it. We'll do something else. It's the same yeah. with what, what you do. Like I love what we are able to do mm-hmm. with spreading the truth to the world about vaccines and cancer and all these different, you know, health remedies and so forth that we're, I'm working on remedy right now, by the way, your interview was fantastic. Did it come out? Okay. Really good interview right. that you did over this past weekend, but we're blessed to be able to do what we love. You're doing the same thing. I mean, you work hard and super Don works hard and your team works hard, but it's what you love to do. Yeah. So do don't don't you know for the first fifteen years of my career after I got out of college I was stuck doing something I couldn't stand. Yeah. I yeah. actually hated doing taxes and accounting and all that. Now I made a decent living for the family and we were able to buy a house and have whatever we needed. So if that's if that's all you have, be thankful for it. 
but this mm -hmm. is something that's better and it's more fulfilling. So try to do that. If you're stuck in a job that you hate, maybe start looking for something that you love doing. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, we were told you just got to do what you got to do to get by. And I do understand that there are times there have been lean times where I've had to struggle through to, to make ends meet. And that puts, you know, it's kind of test your metal, so to speak. You go through the, the journey of, uh, you know, the hardships, Hopefully it's not like uh, Sisyphus where you're pushing the, the thing up and it rolls back down. You just got to start over for what purpose you're not sure, but to find a mission or purpose in your life. And that's what's inspiring to me by finding those people and being with them and inspires me to do better and to find, you know, it, are there subtle nuances of, to my mission and journey that I haven't identified yet that could change over, over time. But yeah, when you find it, it's like, you'll never work another day in your life. There's a great joy in it as much as, um, you know, you're calling me at all hours of the day and night complaining. I never get any sleep because I'm working too hard. No, Ty doesn't do that. I, I complain for him. I go, Ty, sleep. You got to sleep sometime. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, it's, you, you do what you love. It's not work. You're right. It's, it's, it's a mission for us. It's, it's a, we want to help people. It's a, it's a calling, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. People have kind of, we started calling what we do a mission 10 years ago. And now you look out on the internet and everybody's got a mission they're working for. I mean, I get it. Imitation is the greatest form of flattery, but um, you know, some of the, some people I have that have a mission don't really seem like they have much of a mission at all, except to sell a bunch of stuff. We're yeah. trying to, we're trying to save lives. Yeah. There are hollow versions of missions true that uh, are just economically motivated, but you got to go to the heart of these things and go beyond that. Cause that's not ultimately fulfilling as you know. Uh, uh, so TMB that I mentioned Frank Cousineau, you remember Frank, of course, from cancer control society. Yeah. We've been to a number of their events and it looks like they're coming back. I, I don't know if, if they've reached out to you, but I'm happy to connect if, if you're, I know you're not traveling as much, but at any time I can hear that you're out on the road and, and lecturing and presenting and making people laugh. I love it. Yeah, no, actually, Fr Frank emailed me this weekend and invited Charlie and I to, to come and speak at the CTS. So haven't discussed it yet, but um, it's possible that we'll be out there. I'm not sure what our schedule looks like first of September, but always a great conference. Love Frank, love Lorraine. Um, presented them, you know, with the Lifetime Achievement Award about three right. or four years ago here in Nashville for mm -hmm. their work and, and uh, bringing, you know, bringing the truth about cancer to the masses. They were really the first to do this, I think, before, you know, before the internet, they were doing this. They were doing tours in Mexico back in the 70s, so. Yeah, yeah it's incredible. And, and of course, you know, if you ever look at their, uh, you know, agendas for the, when you go to their events, you're like, yeah, they're, they're printing with something from the 60s. Now, Frank's doing some stuff to bring it up to speed that people can actually yeah. uh, buy tickets online and other things that never could happen. So. Thankfully, things are, are changing for the better, and I think that'll be a great weekend event. If you guys are there, it'll be make it all the better. It'd be so much fun to reunion there. Uh, I know that uh, uh, you were talking to me off the air about the potential for a – I get this question all the time, including from my kids. When's the next TTAC live event? I'm like, just relax. When it's time, it'll come back because, you know, I know all the projects you've been going, and now the Remedy – docu-series that's going to be coming out maybe july or however soon you can make it it's like yeah. i don't know how you could plan for an event of such magnitude because the ttac live events have been beyond compare in terms of what they brought how they were run blow blow anybody away in terms of professionalism and everything else so it's not an easy thing to do no it's, it's still possible that it happens this year not not for sure we're still looking for a venue but it We'll let you know if we find something. Okay. So it hasn't been ruled out. And I was shocked when you told me that. I'm like, wow, you don't have enough work to do. So very. <laughs> don't really want to think about trying to plan it right now, but if it happens, right. it happens. Yeah. So if you need anything more from me as the remedy uh, 
docu series comes out. I'm glad that what we got you so far is is helpful and and can fit well with what with everything you're doing. We're excited about the next docu series. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. I'm scripting it now and trying to trying to figure out how, exactly how many episodes we have. It's going to be either eight or nine, and just kind of grouping together topics and writing script now because in two weeks, Alan and Travis are traveling here from Austin and. We'll be shooting the green screen, so I got to have it scripted by then. All right. Well, I mentioned there was a, another Nashville event coming up. Do you connect with that lady, Courtney? She's really cool. I did. Unfortunately, that weekend we're not available. We already have. We already had two possible events that weekend. We already had to choose one of the two, and then oh that was God. the third. So wow. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot going on, y'all, and I'm glad that there is because I know that uh, if if the bad guys get their way, they're going to try and do another lockdown shutdown in the near future. We're all in this, uh, we can breathe again, we can move about the cabin again, but uh, I think inevitably their intent would be to somehow come up with another crisis that frightens people back into hiding. Yeah, I think good good luck with that. They've already played their card, overplayed, I believe. There, there's so many people now that don't trust anything they say. I think they're going to have a very difficult time uh, with the, with the next one if they try it. Yeah. Well, I, I think that uh, there are good people stepping up to do amazing things. I, I saw this morning that our buddy Mike Adams interviewed our friend Jonathan Emord, who's running for the U.S. Senate in Virginia. And um, as I said, just having him in the Senate alone doesn't change the whole world, but it has a significant impact uh, in the sphere of influence that he would have on strengthening the resolve of others that are the few good men or women that are there. And uh, we continue to do that on every level and support those that have a mission and a passion for constitutionally limited government defending individual liberty as opposed as opposed to running roughshod over it defending religious freedom all of the things that make america so sensational as the place and if this falls where do you go i don't know of another country that has that as its basis you really don't have any um and that's the thing there's other countries that aren't don't have the open tyranny that we have right now but the freedom they have is based upon us remaining where we are if if, if america falls every all the other freedoms fall so this is the this is the place to be uh to make your voice heard to fight for freedom because um yeah this is the last bastion really and everybody else that's seeing limited amounts of freedom now or they, they think oh it's so peaceful here that's because america's still standing um and one of the things you mentioned about mike you know he interviewed jonathan emore which i thought was great he also interviewed bobby kennedy right recently that's right i haven't seen that i was gonna yeah. mention I, look, Bobby, you've known, you've honored him as well. He's participated at TTAC. And of course, he's he's slandered because of it, right? Oh my gosh, they took a picture with you and Charlene and and I think Roger Stone's like all of the things that come out is like humans are interacting. We don't all have to agree on everything yeah. to, to connect and support. And I just saw uh an another interview that Bobby gave and he talked about the SSRIs and school shootings. He says they're all basically on these drugs, these psychiatric drugs. Like that's another no-no. You don't get to say that when you have influence like Bobby Kennedy does. So I'm more impressed by Bobby Kennedy by the day. I'm too. We, we, we love Bobby. He really does want freedom for our country. Um, you know, his, he's conservative. You know, he, he's, he's a conservative Democrat, but he's a well, conservative. Like, you know, so. like his uncle, who is more conservative than most Republicans from the 1960s. Yeah, he really was. So we, we love Bobby. There's a lot of chatter going on around about a possible Trump Kennedy ticket. I'm seeing it everywhere. Um, I don't know that that will happen. I think that that'd be great, but I don't, I don't know that that would ever happen. But uh, I just saw yesterday that one in five Democrats that were surveyed said they would vote for Trump uh, 
Trump Kennedy over Biden Harris. Wow. One in five registered Democrats. Well, it'd be like uh, nice to see the, the Democrats get disrupted like Republicans have from some candidates like Ron Paul that have kind of shook it up and made some directional shifts. Yeah. And the Dems have been so far off course. It's nothing like uh, John F. Kennedy de- Democrats, right? Which I said are more conservative than most current Republicans when you go back into the politics of the day. Yeah. Yeah, they certainly conservative. And um, I think Bobby's come out recently talk in, in, in an interview about his uh, his uncle, JFK, that there's no doubt the CIA was involved in the assassination. I mean, he's not saying a lot of stuff that's true, mm-hmm. but you just, you're, you're, you're shocked to hear somebody in the limelight actually telling the truth. I guess they, there's, they put a hush hush and, and uh, just keeping, keeping quiet. A lot of the things that have happened over the last you know century here in this country, a lot of the official stories as Liam would have called them. Yes. And that's one, that was one that he dealt with in depth in official stories was the JFK assassination. And it's clear that the government was involved. There's no doubt. Yeah, it's it's astonishing uh, what we're witnessing in the midst of a lot of uh, damage and death and more, you know, mortality that we witnessed over the covid crazy years. But it's opening up the possibility for discussions that never had happened, never had happened uh, other than on our circles of media, new media, a little bit of an outreach and, and yet curtailed significantly by the censorship industrial complex, which is, you know, the ruling elites, whether they be in medicine, government, media, et cetera. And I think another thing I saw Bobby Kennedy say that he would end the pharmaceutical advertising, which only America and, and New Zealand has. And that would severely curtail the power of the media to pontificate. If I can say that, it's probably not the right word, but basically to uh, bowl over any other uh, viewpoint on medicine and disease, because the vast majority of their money is coming from the industry that then writes the or gives them the B-roll for all of their news stories that, you know, pummel anybody who cares for somebody holistically or less invasively uh, because it it basically corrupts their ability to make money in a monopoly. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's not holding any punches back. So I I like, I like hearing Bobby discuss this, you know, he's very open about the COVID vaccine and the other vaccines on the vaccine schedule. You know, that's an issue that I've got with Trump still. Yeah. He continues to say how great operation warp speed was. It's like, dude, Quit smoking crack. I know you don't smoke crack, but quit talking like you smoke crack, because yeah. if you believe that something's wrong. I mean, it's that Operation Warp Speed was the rollout of some of the greatest medical atrocities in history in the United States. Yeah, well, exactly. And that that's to, to the point of you bringing that up for those that think we're uh, sycophants for any candidate. That's not what we are. We'll talk about people that we agree and disagree with, and it might be within the same person. We have agreements and disagreements. We could talk about Bobby Kennedy, honestly. We could have him on and talk to him about those. And what I love about Bobby is that he's willing to engage on the things that he might have a disagreement or acknowledge, hey, you know what? I haven't investigated it to that level of depth. I need to look into that rather than just rejecting it summarily or shouting you down. It's like that is, a again, a difference when well, there was a time in our past where it was more normal to interact and have disagreements and be able to debate and discuss without censorship. And it would be nice to see that come back. I, it would be a breath of fresh air. It would. You know, I would love, you know, of course, when Bobby came out and mentioned that he was going to be running, immediately the Democratic Party says there will be no debates, right? Because mm-hmm. they're peeing in their pants thinking about Bobby Kennedy against Joe Biden in a Democratic debate. That wouldn't even be funny. No. Bobby's articulate, intelligent. He's a statesman. He is non-offensive, but he doesn't hold any punches. Very, just very easy to listen to. 
I mean, the, the, the contrast between the two would be night and day. One, one debate and it's over. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That's why they won't, won't want to have them. Uh, and I, you know, we'll see what happens on the Republican side. There's still a lot to shake out there. Uh, but I would say that, uh, we would be better off as a country, uh, you know, and this is hard for me to say because we've seen the craziness of the, de the Democrat agenda, a party agenda, official one, but I, there's not a lot I have disagreement over, you know, over with Bobby Kennedy and, uh, doesn't mean that there aren't areas, but still on the, you know, if you start weighing things out, you're going the integrity to someone that sees and knows about the deep state. That's the, you know, the, the the darkness of the uh, CIA intelligence agencies and what they've done. Yeah, There's yeah. no illusion. Now the question is, is there enough bulletproof armor to surround someone like Bobby Kennedy because of the history of his, his, his own father and uncle uh, doing something that greatly upset the proverbial apple cart of the establishment? You know, here's the thing, and I know Bobby agrees with this, man. I, I think God, Bobby thinks that God's got him on a mission. And if that's the case, he's going to protect him. So, you know, it's supernatural protection at that point, uh, because, you know, what what can you do if there's a whole bunch of psychos out there that want to kill you? I mean, you can't you can only prepare to, to a certain extent. But we've seen the Kennedy family has been targeted. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if God's got it, if God's got him on this mission and wants him in office to to save this country, they can't kill him. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, you know, the answer to the question when people ask you or me, the same thing comes up. It's like, are you not afraid? Why aren't you afraid? Yeah. Like, Everybody, you know, everyone in the movements probably had threats, mm -hmm. but you just got to keep doing what you're doing. Um, you can't live in fear. They want you to live in fear. Yeah. Here's so, another uh, a quote from Bobby Kennedy. I'm seeing these things come out. It's pretty amazing. Uh, he says, Here's how I will dismantle the surveillance state. I will replace the officials that have been instructing tech companies to censor users. I will direct the Justice Department to stop prosecuting whistleblowers and start investigating the crimes they expose. I will rescind administrative policies that surveil Americans' communications. In the long term, it's about forging an entirely different relationship between people and government based on respect. I'm like, yeah. wow. Okay. What's yeah. wrong? What can you find wrong with that? Right. <laughs> like, wow. And I'm, I'm thinking these Hollywood leftists, uh, you know, they're going to have to start peeling off or else they're going to look further and further uh, you know, outside of any realm of, of decency, you know, even though they've, they've left decency, many of them so long ago uh, with, uh, you know, things we've discussed last hour about mm -hmm. uh, gender dysphoria and promoting gender mutilation, you know, that's like an acceptable thing. It's just bizarre what we're witnessing at the same time. How far can you move outside of that realm before it just kind of collapses on you and they're going to be exposed for the, you know, what they are? Yeah, and, you know, one of the things you mentioned this last weekend that was I was glad you mentioned it and a couple of other people had mentioned, I think Dr. Sherry Tenpenny did, was what is the interaction? I, and I didn't listen to last hour, so I think you and Dr. Levitin may have discussed this, but what is what is the interaction with these babies that are being injected with, you know, MRC5 or WI38 yep. typoid yeah. field tissue? Yeah. So if, if, that, if one of them was a girl and one of them was a boy, we know that. So. What if the other sex is being injected with, you know, what if male is being infected with female, injected with female and, and, and vice versa? What effect is that having? Is that causing some of the gender dysphoria? So it's possible that it is. And I'm glad you addressed that. Sherry Tenpenny did as well. And I think one other person did in their interviews. But it's worth it's worth addressing because something's happening. Yeah, we also uh, and, and she brought up because also Janet is a, is a homeopath as well, which I love. There's not many yeah. of them around. And she she talked about. Uh, the injections of the tr some of the so-called traditional vaccines that have all these aluminum adjuvants from hepatitis B forward, and that one of the uh, uh, you know number of 
symptoms associated? You know, when we talk about homeopathy, how do we identify the remedies? What do they cause in their mother or natural state? What can we undo? And mm-hmm. some of the manifestations of aluminum toxicity include confusion about self and gender, interestingly uh-huh. enough. So that's another aspect to explanation in addition to a lot of the other chemicals, the atrazines, the other uh, things that are causing endocrine uh, abnormalities. Mm-hmm. So, and, and to her point, why she reached out to me, and I'm glad she did, was like, I'm hearing all of the people talking about being outraged about the gender reassignment surgeries, and that's fine. We're all outraged about that, but very few are discussing potential causes and then remedies to that. And I don't know, Matt, might be something you want to add into the mix, not to add more work for you, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. if we want to address that, I'm happy to help as well. Yeah. You know what I'll do? I'll, uh, I'll watch, uh, the episode that, that you just finished your last hour after we get off here. And um, if there's anything in there that that she included, I might just say, hey, man, can I throw that in there and get her permission? Yeah. And you're more than welcome, as you know, to use anything we do here. And I'm sure it would be fine with it. But by all means, take a look. I think it's very revealing. Some of the things that I haven't even discussed in detail we were able to do last hour, which I'm grateful for. So, Yeah. yeah, that'll be awesome. So what else can you preview us about when we talk about the docuseries Remedy? that we're trying to remedy, you know, that you're attempting to remedy in terms of bringing information out in the docu-series. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things, one of the shortcomings that I saw a half a year ago when I first started planning for remedy um, was the, the documentaries that have come out that are bringing a lot of light to the problem, but not a lot of solutions in, in, to, to, to the problems. Mm-hmm. Right. And there's nothing wrong with that. You need to know that there's issues before you solve the issues. If you don't believe there's issues, you can't solve them. So it's great to have these these documentaries out to wake people up and documentaries like died suddenly that have been seen by tens of millions of people. They've so many people have waked up because of it. So they serve a great purpose. Yeah. But I feel like our our calling at this point is to provide some solutions to people that are now living in fear because maybe they got the first. Uh, and I, and I, I, Dr. Thomas uh, Lodi in, in Thailand, I interviewed him and he's like, they're not a, they're not a vaccine and they're not a jab. Don't call them a jab. They're injections. Jab is too benign. Mm. They're injections. So these injections, you know, they've got lots of issues and people are seeing that. But we need to provide remedies for people that have gotten the jab and are afraid. I see. I, see, I did it again. I've gotten the injection. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with calling well, it a jab. The language is important and yeah. appropriate. Why do we didn't want to call it a vaccine? Because it wasn't yeah. at the same time the fact that they adopted it and altered the definition so they could call it a vaccine has been great for us because it's now caused people to question all vaccines like never before. And then we got the lizard woman daughter, uh, 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 what's her name? Clinton, uh, Chelsea, Chelsea, yeah. Gates on speed. Catch up program like never before. I'm like, really? That's where you're going now. Yeah. So, you know, the, the purpose then will be to provide solutions to people. And it's not just COVID related. Um, it's bigger than that because there's, while the, the main focus of all of these documentaries lately has been on COVID, that's only one vaccine. And granted, it's toxic, but, you know, it's, it's interesting how concerned people are when they're involved, but not their kids sometimes or their grandkids. So no. it affects adults. So there's so all these adults that are worried about the COVID vaccine now, well, what about the other 72 doses of vaccines that these kids are getting between the time they start school and they graduate high school? What about those? We, so we have to address remedies for those as well. And, you know, ways to detox from those vaccines. 
So in the first episode, we hit the history of smallpox, and then we provide natural remedies for smallpox and the smallpox vaccine, even though smallpox was officially eradicated. There's certain countries where there are outbreaks, yeah. but there's ways to detox for people that have had the vaccine. And then we hit in each episode, we're going to hit the coronavirus vaccine as well, because it's so pervasive in today's um, society now that everybody, you know, what, 70, 80 percent of people have gotten at least one dose. So a lot of people need to know about that. So that will be in every episode. But episode one, smallpox, two is polio, three, we cover chickenpox, shingles, rotavirus, four, MMR, five, DPTs. Episode six is um, uh, flu and hepatitis B, I think, and then Gardasil's episode seven. So each one mm. covers one of the biggies in the childhood vaccine schedule. Nice. Provides you with ways to detox from it and or natural remedies if you want to avoid those diseases. Right. Even though we do hit the fact that natural exposure to a lot of these diseases actually confers protection okay. from other diseases later in life. Yeah. So do you really want to prevent chickenpox or should you have a chickenpox party? and get natural exposure so that later on, mm -hmm. you know, you don't get shingles or you, or should you have get measles? So later on you're prevented to get with cancer and heart disease. So these are issues that we discuss in each episode. So I think it'll be, it's going to be very interesting to watch, um, working to really produce it in a, uh, in a captivating way mm -hmm. and string together the topics where it's very easy and understandable to watch and learn. So that's really the goal. And, um, and I think it's going to educate a lot of people on the fact that there is hope, there are remedies, and they're going to they're going to leave watching the documentary, wanting to share it with other people because everybody knows somebody that's been affected, yeah. whether it's the, the childhood vaccines, the COVID vaccine, both you know, both camps, whatever. Right. And I think it's going to be something that people want to share. Yeah. So, are you in uh, full blown editing of the docu series already, or is it still too early? You're just kind of framing it out and seeing what's going to be appearing when. Yeah, I wouldn't call it quite editing yet. I, I, I call this the scripting phase. Mm -hmm. So I'm scripting the episodes, um, and it's funny, you know, I'm a CPA, so I love I'm probably you. the only film producer, maybe in the world, that does it this way. But yeah. I have all of my quotes from every episode, from every interview, I timestamp in an Excel spreadsheet. Wow. <laughs> and so, and so I can automate, the reason I do that is it's so easy to calculate how much time it's going to take up in an episode. So yeah. let's say I've got a block a numbers of guy. I'm a numbers guy. And so yeah. what I do is I separate topics based upon or separate quotes based upon topics. And so then I've got, you know, I, I had 700 quotes at one point wow. and that was before some of the more recent uh, interviews. Right. So what I do is I had these, then I'll, then I'll, I'll copy from one spreadsheet to the next spreadsheet, the quotes from the person into a topical. So let's say Robert talks about informed consent and Greg Glazer talked about informed consent and Bobby Kennedy talked about informed consent. Well, I'll copy all of these from their separate interviews on one spreadsheet to this spreadsheet where it's topical. So I'll get all the informed consent quotes together mm -hmm. so that then I'm, I'm without even knowing it, I'm creating a seg a segment of one of the episodes that will be about informed consent. Then I see how much time that takes up. Mm -hmm. And then I copy it into the episode that I was thinking about informed consent to see if it fits. Wow. And if it fits, but then it gets too too long. Then I'll take one of the other Excel sections and move right. it into another episode. But it's all based upon the number of seconds that you speak because I summate, I summate all yeah. of the, the 
the quotes to know how long it takes. And by the so way, some all Excel based. Yeah. By the way, some S U M is a mathematical term. And I'm fascinated by how you describe that because it actually makes sense. Uh, yet not everybody does it. Probably most don't do it that way, but it works for you. I was like, yeah. how the heck do you take all of this information and make it work? Thank you for giving me insight in that. I'm fascinated by your, uh, your technique there. I'm like, I'm like Rocky. Um, I, I think I invented it. And I remember the remember in Rocky when, when, um, when Rocky one where he goes in with Polly and he beats up the, the cow, the beef. Right. Yeah. He's doing the interview and he's like, he's, he's got his bloody hands up and the, the interviewer, he, she's like, what did you think about hitting a cow? And he goes, I think I invented it. So, <laughs> you know, I don't know that I invented it, but I have to, I had to work out a system that where I could easily transfer sections of the documentary. Yeah. And because I want it, I want them all to be about the same length. And so mm -hmm. at the end, the last thing you want is for it to pan out to where you've got, this one's two hours and this one's 45 minutes. You're like, Oh, that ain't working. Yeah. So you got to figure out how much to move. And the way I figure out how much to move is through summating all of the quotes. Yeah. Summate is actually a, a, a legitimate term. I learned it from Jeffrey, Jeffrey Jackson used the term summate. And, um, and I, I looked it up because I was like, that's not a word. And I'm like, it is a word. word. Yeah. He, he properly used it. So now I'm using it. So I sound intelligent. Exactly. But again, it's a mathematical term too. That's yeah. a, that's a basis. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. This is very cool. Hey, uh, I got to ask you about, uh, well, your son, how's he doing the baseball season? I haven't heard any money updates. I know you try to get out to, yeah. to see the, see the games, the pitcher. Uh, that's, that's where I was whenever y'all came to town. Right. Right. But I did come back, uh, that weekend after his games, but he, he pitched in the first round of the, uh, CCS collegiate conference of the South, the, the conference, uh, tournament. Mm -hmm. And they played a college, uh, Bellhaven out of Mississippi. And he did really well. He pitched a complete game, but they lost two to one. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah, he pitched pitched a really good game. He pitched against a guy last name is Sanchez. He's a all American pitcher for Bellhaven. So he's one of the top pitchers in the country. And Bryce hung with him every inning and only allowed two runs, but they scored one. We only scored one. So yeah. lost. So that was the first loss. We won the second game. We made it to the semifinals, but then lost it was a double elimination tournament so gotcha. didn't win the conference but it was a great it was a good final game for bryce he pitched really strong and so it'll be a good one to carry over into next year so good season overall for him it was a good season he yeah. his, his one loss wasn't as good as last year last year he was seven and one this year he was four and four mm -hmm. but um a lot of the reason was that he was the friday night guy so he was he was their number one starter so when he pitched he usually went against their number one starter. Well, so, how you get so we good. didn't get a lot of runs off yeah. for him. Support. Yeah. That's, but that's how you get good. Of course you that's take how you get good and, and that's okay. I mean, yeah. he had a, numbers wise, other than that, his ERA was better. Um, I think strikeouts were in the same neighborhood. I don't know exactly how many, mm -hmm. I think it's strikeout to walk ratio was better. His average against batting average against was better. His, yeah. his, uh, his whip was better. So, yeah, a lot of his numbers were better. It's just the one loss didn't. But well, you look at run support. I mean, that's something that too much know, about that. The major leagues they talk about. You know, here's the here's all these things, and you don't have the greatest one loss record, and then you go, all right, what's the run support? Well, yeah. for every other pitcher, da, da da So, I mean, there's some some aspects, but there's growth. There's uh, uh you know, uh, strength in going through the toughest uh, of seasons as well. It's what makes yeah. you good. Now, does he? He's got what is he a junior this year? He's junior, so he's got he's got one more year yeah. next year, a senior year, and then he. He actually has one more year of eligibility because of COVID. So he might end up playing a fifth year. We're not sure. Okay. 
All right. Very cool. I just thinking about being a senior, my daughter, you know, Ariana, she's graduating in a couple of weeks and I, yeah, I know you've been through this twice already. I've only been through it once with my son, but it's a big deal, you know, next, next step for these kids and watching them grow up. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. I can't believe she's graduating already. Wow. Yeah. I'll send, I'll send you the announcements and she just, yeah. we had her design. It's pretty. And it's funny, you know, what she decided to do. She was going to write, you know, dad, write a poet poem for the back or whatever. Cause she's, you know, so creative. She wasn't happy with it. So what she decided to do on the backside of her uh, announcement was to put the five rules of improv on there. Oh, that's funny. And it's really beautiful because it's really a God focused, uh, five rules, right. Okay. Relying on the spirit to get you in that moment to, to do the funny, to do the silly. And it's just, uh, she's been on the, you know, the improv group troop all, I think four years more than anybody. And she just loves that creative side. So I, I found that hilarious that, yeah, that's what I want to put on the back. Teach people about how to improv. <laughs> it was so funny. That's cool. That's cool. I'll tell her congratulations. Yeah. Send that over. Send that yeah, over. We'll definitely do it. So anyway, uh, let's see what else we want to talk about. Super Don, bring your, bring your, your bad self into this mix. You can't ignore Ty Bollinger here on the rare event that he shows up or <laughs> hopefully it's not work for him. But again, in the midst of all the work that he does check it. There you are. Yes. You know, it's just not normal. If you're not at least opening up your mic and camera, when Ty is on a little bit, you, you guys are on a roll. Man, yeah. I'm, I'm liking the hair there. Super D. I'm liking the ponytail there. You like that? I've been working on that for a yeah. while. Yeah. yeah. I like it. It's getting there. Absolutely amazing. I couldn't pull it off. Not at all. But uh, <laughs> I know you tried to retire this picture of me, Super D. Jeez, oh, you know what? I you, you told me, you asked me specifically, can we please yeah. retire the picture? So it's like I don't have it on hand okay. immediately. Oh, right. And then you like, you know, so hold on a second here. So anyway, uh, Ty, I'm not above making fun of myself. And there was this moment at that event in Nashville where I was talking with uh, I think Susie, and I don't know what she said, but I made the most god awful, horrible, scary face. There it is. There it is. I love it. <laughs> That's hilarious. So I'm, I'm just saying, just <laughs> you kind of remind me of a raccoon. There you go. I could be rock, picture. Rocket Raccoon from Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe that's it. My secret weapon is I'm a secret weapon. Well, all right. So since 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 you brought it up here, okay. Um, Raccoon Scott Bell. <laughs> it, this is not the first time he's made this face. It is too. Uh, there was that time when Robert uh, tried out for the part in the movie Sister Act. I did not. Did you ever see that? <laughs> I did not. That's oh, hilarious. Yeah. No, I would have voted yeah. for him. I would have. I would have cast him. Unbelievable. I didn't yeah. All and, and then then there was the time when uh, when he was really into the Inspector Clouseau movies. Oh <laughs> gosh, how many of these do you have? That's funny. <sighs> yeah. And then, you know, uh, actually earlier on, we found out that Robert actually was the fifth Beatle at one time. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And he didn't want to let it go even later on in life. He uh, was was still hanging on to the, the, the Beatles thing there. Yoko! No, that's not me. Good boy. No. And then, of course, on May the 4th, we had to have a little fun there for... Uh, oh. Yeah. Yogurt. Yogurt. That's, right. that's so funny. Uh, I like it. So Whoever Photoshop those did a good job. Just just so you know, if you need to keep me humble, just call Super Don. <laughs> That's funny. Those are good. Well, there you go. All but right. I now, do you want me to retire it now? Now you can retire. Now, now I can retire. I was okay. Waiting for Ty to see it, just so. Okay. You know, All right. 
he, he doesn't, you know, think too much of me, right? Because he likes me. We like, we're good friends, right? But I don't want him to, like, you know. You know yeah, I mean, I got to have some some of the other side. Right, exactly. A little bit of weirdness, strangeness. It's like, you're funny looking, right? That's so, that's too funny. That was a funny face. It, well, I just have no idea what it was that prompted it still to this moment, this day. Uh, let's see. It's uh, cookout. See, have you broken out the grill and, and barbecued yet? Cooked out yet? Me or Super D? You, Ty Bollinger. Man, I haven't cooked out forever. Dude, that's just that's just wrong. I don't yeah. know. Super Don, have sure. you broken out the grill yet? Turkle or anything? I have not. So I did, I think last week, uh, we, we opened it up. It was so nice. I was like, ah, I got to get out there. Uh, but there's a study finds article here about grilling up joint pain. Barbecues could be causing rheumatoid arthritis. It's like, what are they going to think of next? Of course, rheumatoid arthritis is considered an autoimmune condition where your immune system begins attacking the cells of self. How are they arguing that? They're talking about release of polycyclic or aromatic hydrocarbons. Mm -hmm. Uh, environmental pollutants formed during the combustion of substances like coal. I mean, look, as much grilling has gone on in the United States, we should all have rheumatoid arthritis if that's accurate. Although I would say that it could be one thing among many because there's so many things that are destroying cellular integrity leading to this kind of immune aberration. I mean, it could be that, and that's certainly legitimate. We know that, that, uh, that, that, uh, the barbecuing releases the, the, uh, PAHs. Mm -hmm. uh, it also creates what's called heterocyclic amines, HCAs, in the meat itself. So when you burn it, so there's a lot of potentially cancer-causing and inflammation-causing things that happen when you when you barbecue meat. The I would say that doesn't that shouldn't stop you from barbecuing. Just remember how to practice defensive eating, like Mike Adams described in one of our documentaries. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's certain things that you can you can eat while you eat something else like that to help detox it. And so it doesn't harm you counteract. So one of the things to remember is if anytime you're eating barbecued beef or chicken or whatever that has the, the HCAs eat cabbage mm. or cruciferous vegetables, because they bind to that and help flush it out of your system. So that's a system that he calls defensive eating, which was, you know, one of the interviews that we did with Mike several years ago, after the interview was down at his, at his warehouse, he's like, let's go grab some barbecue. Mm -hmm. And um, when the health ranger says, let's go grab some barbecue, you're like, hey, of course, let's go grab yeah. some barbecue. Cause right. you know, we'd, I've never been out to eat with Mike before. Cause I know mm -hmm. how clean he eats and stuff, but he's like, let's yeah. grab some barbecue. And you know, sometimes I'll grab barbecue, but when I do, I always eat coleslaw with it. So right. we grab barbecue and coleslaw and he explained how that, you know, minimizes the damage from the HCAs and so cabbage, forth. Or, yeah. Cabbage, you have blueberries or something else. That's great to combine. Um, he went through a whole list of things. So there's, you can, you can certainly, you certainly don't have to um, not enjoy the food that you eat or eat things that you don't enjoy. Just learn how to, you know, the majority of things should be clean, but if you're eating something that's kind of borderline, there's, yeah. there's ways to mitigate the damage that might be done from eating that food. And it's a good reminder because this, uh, this weekend I'm planning to take my son or he'll take me. I don't know where Elijah and I are going to go to a, a bladesmiths and barbecue. Where you're going to actually uh, that day, it's a whole event. It's a barbecue competition, but a bladesmith competition. Actual people are forging blades, knives, and, and swords. Oh, cool. And you get to go, and you actually have to learn how to uh, forge a, a sword or something too, uh, which would be great. But there's also barbecue, so I'll remember to if I do indulge uh, from only the grass-fed animals because they'll be available there. I will find some cabbage or bring some cabbage. There'll be coleslaw. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. sure there will be. Yeah, that'll be great. Uh, speaking of uh, quality of food is which we always do here. I love this article. 
that she came out with just not long ago, um, 10 reasons to eat organic plus how to spot the fakers. I mean, that's a big thing that you added into that because a lot of people that were resistant to organic will say, well, it's not real anyway, but there's, there's reality. And yes, there are fakers. So, uh, what, if, what of this article can you, can you relate to folks that are on the verge of maybe making the leap to go organic? Well, you know, the thing is we call it organic, but in the past they just called it food. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so try to eat real food. That was one of the things that Dr. Mercola mentioned in one of the previous docuseries. We've done so many, I can't remember which one it was in, but he, he said, what, what do you need to do? Eat real food. So real food would be food that's not sprayed with pesticides. It's, it's not genetically modified. Um, you know, it's, it hasn't been uh, affected by man. It's not exposed to pesticides and fungicides and all this. You know, that's real food. And so if you focus on eating real food, then you don't have to qualify it as saying that it's organic. It's just because re- you're either eating real food or you're, you're eating poison food. Mm-hmm. So eat real food because if it's if it's genetically modified if it's if it's got this the pesticides and fungicides on it if it's you know it's got the glyphosate and so forth that's not real food it's chemical poison that's been put on the food so the the key is you want to look for food that's been certified organic and and sometimes food will say organic but it's really not so you need to look for certified organic labels there's the USDA has, DA has a certified organic label course i guess at that point you're like how much do you actually trust the government sure i mean so i I think that you know comes to the springtime that we're in now and i've encouraged and you know our our buddy liam chef was really an instigator in getting people to you know grow guard grow food again uh become your own farmer that's the best thing secondary to that is become a friend to a farmer that's local you find out whether they're certified organic or not, because there are a lot of good clean farmers that decided not to go to the federal program because of the yeah. cost, et cetera. And you find out their actual agricultural practices are as good or better than yeah. the organic standards. Yep. So yeah. I would, I would, and I was, I was going to mention that, that, that getting to know a local farmer growing your own food. Mm-hmm. If in, in that case, I'm talking about the article is, is specifically referring to if you're buying groceries in a grocery store, Right. You want to look for the certified organic labels. If you're buying at a farmer's market, a lot of the local farmers aren't certified organic. It's because they didn't jump through all the hoops or they didn't want to have to get certified with the government or a government agency. But you ask them their growing procedures and they're like, no, we don't use, we never use pesticides. We don't use GMO seeds. This is close to organic as you're ever going to get. We just can't put a sticker on it because we're not mm-hmm. certified organic. Right. So again, you get to know the farmer and what what's their, what's their, uh, growing conditions. And a lot of times you can taste the pesticides. Mm. So if you're, if you taste their produce and it, it tastes like it should, and it, it doesn't have a funny taste or a chemical taste, probably not spraying it with chemicals. Mm. And sometimes you'll taste something that's supposed to be organic. You're like, man, that tastes funny. It's because maybe they're certified organic, but they're still some, using something that, you know, is deleterious to your health. So I'd say get to know your local farmers and growing your own food is mm. the key. Because you know, on the, uh, the the trip I took to Virginia to do a three city tour with uh, Jonathan Emord a few weeks back, uh, it was great because on one of the uh, one of the events we did, guess who showed up? Joel Salatin. Yes, Joel okay. Salatin came, and it was amazing because well, he acknowledged that he couldn't. You know, he's like, please, no pictures, kind of thing, because you know, half of his audience or people that buy from him are kind of left leaning, and they might not not like that he's you know, came to a, a Jonathan Emord event, but
But at the same time, he was like, yes, this is what we need. Restoration of the Constitution. Get the regulators out of the way. They're actually attacking people that are doing well or, or doing right in the, in the farming community, agricultural and, and the environmental community. And that was another aspect, which I was so glad that he came because he's got such insight. I said, you know, make sure that you can feed that information into the Emord campaign because it, it's an alignment with everything that uh, Jonathan believes is, you know, Christian libertarianism, right? Conservatism. Mm-hmm. Etc. So uh, it was great to see, and I know you interviewed Joel Salatin over the years as well. Yeah, one of the one of the neatest uh, tours that we ever took as a family was was at his, his uh, Polyface Farms in Virginia, mm-hmm. and we you know they took us through as they moved the cattle from one section of the land to the other, and they let it graze you know let them graze for several days until it's grazed until it's down. Then they moved them to a fresh pasture with you know huge green grass stalks, and then. They bring in the chickens after the cows to clean up for the cow poop because that's where the nutrition is for the chickens to free range. Mm-hmm. So then they've got their portable chicken beds that they move in and they've got the places where they he says they create happy, happy little pigs. Mm-hmm. You know, they have them happy little pig lives and they get they have mud baths for them. And just they they practice what they preach. And that's, you know, regenerative, sustainable agriculture. The way that they that the, the way that they do it is, is really amazing. It was one of the neatest trips that we ever took as a family. And the meats that they produced, the way they went through, you know, the way that they slaughter the chickens and they get the fresh chicken meat, man, it's, it was pretty cool. We really enjoyed that. Yeah. Just, uh, uh, well, this is how we enjoy life by coming together and celebrating and food is a part of that. And I, I long for the time when, you know, all these neighborhoods come together and, um, really are, are growing more cleanly and organically. We have a lot of that near us, Ty. And, uh, I just want to let you know as well, we just connected with a woman, Kathleen Halal, at a recent event, and uh, she has brought over from Australia uh, a, an invention, if you will, a breakthrough in terms of weed control mm-hmm. that is as efficient or even more efficient than glyphosate Roundup, mm-hmm. but has zero toxicity to the environment. The only thing it kills is what you spray. And yeah, does it have anything, any delimining in it? No, it doesn't. In fact, the oh. delimining we know, of course, is used as a, a safe alternative pesticide but in this case it's a a, you know uh, some kind of it's like a technology interaction of chemistry acetic acid which is of course you know various acidic uh is also part of it but in the end solution when you mix this thing it's only one percent so it's not even harmful to you if you were exposed or or hit by it but uh and and i just tried it out it's called contact organics and super don did you put the 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 link to live clean l-i-v-k-l-e-e-n.com i believe it is uh and we have pictures I'm going to show about before and after because we had Nancy would go out into the driveway and, and it's coming up through the cracks of the, of the concrete. Uh-huh. You'd have to go in with a screwdriver and, and that would only be temporary because you can't get to the bottom of it. So I uh-huh. said, let's put this to the test. There it is. Live clean contact organics. And we, uh, we put this, mixed it up, sprayed it. And like in 20 minutes, you could already see the stuff's dying and nothing around. Mm-hmm. And by the next day, it's all done. It was so impressive. And part of the, thing that if we strategically say to our neighbors or a golf course or a, a school system that, you know, would like to make changes, but they don't have a viable alternative. They're like, look, we have to do this because we don't have anything else. Now it exists. And it's, it's so extraordinary. I like put it to the test. I'm like, dude, I want to tell everybody. I want, I want to check it out for sure. Yeah. The, the real question is, did you eat it? Because remember when you ate the orange tko right yes right yeah. oh i didn't do that I, I didn't look into doing that it probably tastes kind of bitter but as far as i know again completely safe now if you have it before it's blended acetic acid is very you know acidic of course 
and that you have to be careful. But once it's blended, it's one percent. So it's again, you could spray it. It got on me, no problem. And it smelled a little bit vinegary, but that's it. And it was successful. And so, well, Robert, you already smell a little bit vinegary, so that shouldn't change. I bathe in salad oil. What are you talking about? I was I was listening to a radio show yesterday, whatever, and. The guy said that a recent survey, one out of every five American males doesn't use deodorant or anything under their arms. And he's like, disgusting. Guys are disgusting. <laughs> they should use vinegar then? They, should, they all smell like vinegar is my point. Or just spray some, some uh, silver hydrosol under your arm. You know, you could spray some orange TKO. That stuff actually smells really good. It's true. It's true. Yeah. Very true. So, all right. Uh, upcoming events. The one event in Nashville you said you were going to go to. What, what, can you name it? Can you say it when it's going to be that weekend? You had three events, right? And you only could take. Oh one. no, that's. Well, it was two events we had to choose from, plus that one. Right. It, but it, but it's not an event like you're thinking. It's it's our it's a two day our girls uh, b- uh, ballet and dance recital of those oh, those gotcha. same two days. Gotcha. So that yeah, and of course you got to defer to the kiddos as they're yeah. growing. You know that you can't, yeah. you can't trade that. And then we also had we also had an invitation to um, to go down to Austin that weekend um, for Mickey Willis's Mickey right. Willis has a movie that's premiering. Pandemic. Yeah, if we didn't have the dance recital, we would go to that. But we're we're gonna we're not skipping our girls' dance recital. So yeah, I, and I think I'm gonna be in Boise, Idaho for the We the Patriots USA event um, gotcha. that weekend. So there's a lot going on, and I have never been to Boise. I'm looking forward to being up there for that. Uh, so you guys and gals, uh, you know, sign up for the, the newsletter updates from the truth about cancer.com. Of course, many of you probably already do. If you're part of this audience, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter here at robertscottbell.com, or you can text my initials RSB to the number two, two, eight, two, eight, that's two, two, eight, two, eight, send RSB and you'll be prompted to enter the email address and you'll be in on the newsletter and super Don occasionally does send out. Well, he, he does, he, he does so much. I don't know how super Don does all that he does still all these years later, but he's super Don's awesome. Yeah. We love Super D. Pretty impressive, to say the least. And I'm just trying to find a picture of the equivalent of what he found for me uh, that uh, I could use against him. You know, doesn't exist. Doesn't exist. He says. Sorry, no. dude. He's nobody just- can top that. Are you kidding me? <laughs> That's not a good thing to say. It's not <laughs> nice. It's not very nice. So, all right, DMB. Right, anything else we need to know before we let you go? Well, not really. Not really. I mean, that's you kind of caught up where we're at. We're knee deep in remedy right now, buddy, knee deep, but really appreciate the, the interview that you and then John did this last weekend. Very good information. Yeah. Shout out to John Hewlett yeah. and, and cardio miracle. Amazing. Yeah. And that's part of the remedy. Definitely. Yeah. It wouldn't be, uh, you couldn't achieve what you need to achieve without addressing the endothelial lining of the yep. vascular system as well. So cardio miracle is something we do every day here. The Robert Scott Bell family household as, as does Ty, as does super Don in the family. And my, my wife likes the new formula way better. Yeah, it's good. It's really good. So with that, uh, Christine is telling you what to say in the chat room in case you forgot. You got a I'm, glad, coming up. I'm glad that Christine Allen reminded me to tell you that the power to heal is yours. Okay, we're back. Bonus round starts now. People are trying to figure out what happened to me with that face or f- facial expression. Yes. Uh, and I'm just looking at some possible explanations. Diana says, it looks like someone snuck some Scotch bonnet hot sauce into RSB's organic chicken dinner. <laughs> ah. so I could have done a face like that. I'm unfamiliar with that hot sauce. Oh, man, Scotch bonnet. That's that's, I think that's one of the stuff, ones huh? you can make. A, uh, one of the hottest ones, Scotch bonnets. Uh, let's see. What else do we have? Uh, 
Steve says, looks like you accidentally swallowed some GMOs. Talking about <laughs> that face. Uh, so I don't know what it was. Uh, I, I even asked Susie. I don't think she remembers what it was, but there you go. Asked you if you wanted a Bud Light. <laughs> that could do it too. Yeah. Christine, thank you for prompting uh, Ty Bollinger to say the, you know what he said to get us out of the regular show and into bonus round. Are you afraid to say it? Because I'll play the, I'll play the end. Yeah, you'll something. automatically play it again. I'm like, no, no, we're already in bonus <laughs> round. I won't say it. I, I have to because you, you said me. the words. You can't make me. So I think that um, I can feel some of the audience going, you're, you're being duped. You're getting played the Bobby Kennedy thing. It's not real. He's controlled opposition on and on it goes. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Can you sense it? I, I, Oh, I don't know. I mean, I I don't have to like feel it. I have heard it. So it's not, it's not like it's, it's a, a magic spidey sense or something like that. People have literally the words have come out of their mouth and then, you know, whatever, uh, you can never prove, you know, that's one of those things where it's like controlled opposition. Unprovable. When assert. has it ever been proven that anybody was uh controlled opposition? I mean, proven. I, I think there are elements in history when you, you find out FBI, CIA involvement in terms of. Okay. But see now, now you're, now you're moving into areas of legitimate controlled mm-hmm. opposition. Sure. Well, I thought what I'm talking about is when somebody on the internet you know, just goes, oh, oh, that person, they're controlled opposition. You know, yeah. it's, you might as well call them an anti-vaxxer. It's the same thing. It, it's, it's, it's a, a word that you throw at somebody in order to try and discredit them yeah. or because you don't like them or because you disagree with them on something or whatever. Yeah. And you just write them off and dismiss them by calling them controlled opposition right. or a CIA, you know, a disinformation agent. You know, or, or something, you know, these, these words have just been used for a long time. And in my opinion, mm-hmm. just an opinion. Yes, please. Uh, most of the time are incorrect. Mm-hmm. The vast majority uh, are, are incorrect. It's just something that people throw out there. Yeah. Well, I mean, if at- you want to, but it's, I believe it's true. Look, JFK I, I, controlled opposition. RFK. I, doubt it. I just, or excuse me, RFK. Well, the thing is, he's speaking, yeah. you know, a lot of facts. He's seen, he's witnessed, he's referencing them, things that we already know to be true, as opposed to having to validate them. Like when you hear it and you're like, oh, I'm not sure about that. It's like, no, these are the things we've been talking about for years. Now, could there be an argument made? Well, sometimes there was a backroom deal made with Bobby. Dude, there's always an argument. Out and da, 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 say this and do this and, and trick people into da, 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 da. Well, what are they tricking people into do? I mean, what he's raising is stuff that's never been talked about in the mainstream media, like what did he say about SSRIs in the school shootings? Now we've covered it. Other alternative news media has covered it, but the mainstream refuses to allow that kind of information to get out. Even if it comes out, it's never, Oh, well we should look into that. Isn't Listen, that if you are going to accuse somebody of being controlled opposition because they haven't said everything that you want them to say, mm-hmm. get a life. Uh, and uh, what I'm you saying, know, I mean, Bobby, come on, Bobby's saying stuff. You can't, I can't believe he's saying, even though no, I know, you know, it's the same thing like with Tucker Carlson, right? Yeah. How many people called him? T- oh, pay a controlled opposition. Why? Oh, because he's saying things and, and there's no way that, that they would allow him to say that on the news. Or he's not saying things that he should be saying, right? He should be going further, right? We, we know he knows more. And why isn't he saying that? So all of these things make, you know for- what? Ron Paul must have been uh controlled opposition. Because he was. Did you hear the stuff that he said on that debate stage? How did he get away with that? Right. They don't allow that in government. They wouldn't allow that on the air. He has to be controlled opposition. 
You can't say things like, I'm going to abolish the IRS. We're going to bring all the troops home. Yeah. That we're the, the policemen of the world. You can't say that kind of stuff on, on CNN and NBC. And how did he get away with saying that kind of stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. To, I, don't, and, I don't understand. To, to your point, uh, the ability to do things that are impossible is part and parcel to life as well. There are folks out there, and I know some of you, who you are, that believe everything is controlled. And of course, that that to me means there is no room for God, spirit, miracles in life. And I know, Super Don, you've joked with me about miracles and praying and stuff like that, but <clears throat> life is indeed a miracle. And to explain it all away in some kind of, uh, you know, monkeys on a typewriter and eventually writing all of Shakespeare's sonnets scenario, it's just so beyond uh, the ability to uh, to... Uh, let's say validate something like that where all life is just all pre-planned it's all predetermined it's all scripted there's no room for any anything to change what we perceive as so all powerful and nothing all right let me stop you there i think i offended marge over on rumble but did you she's her her her, uh um what did marge say her comment says i have to get a life ciao uh, no, no, come on now. I am simply giving my opinion, slightly yeah. snarky, yeah, but that was not meant personally. No, okay. it's not personal. You no. can correct me. Feel free to correct me. You know, this is what this is how it's supposed to be. Yeah, right. And and Superdome, you're not hinging on everything Tucker Carlson or anywhere no. I would do. It's but just- you know, I mean, he's yes. You know what? I mean, has he said things? Yeah, mm-hmm. um, that uh, were pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm but is the only explanation possible is he must be controlled opposition. That has to be it. Can we look at the other possibilities? That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And I think quite often, you know, it's very easy to put on the blinders, Mm -hmm. you know, and just be like, you know, anything that goes without outside of this circle has to be this. That's a, that's a logical fallacy if there's ever been one. Well, and how is opposition controlled? It's not all about here. I give you the script. You say this and people will think you're on their side when you're not controlling. The narrative is part of what we can call controlling the existence of opposition or what the opposition becomes to be uh, maneuvered into. Right. Let me explain in terms of those in the broadcast media. They learn pretty quickly what they can't cover. Now, they make a decision that they want to keep their job. Are they in on some conspiracy to da 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 No, they're just like, oh, I just won't cover that because I want my job. And so they're now controlled. But are they controlled opposition? And they're self-controlled. Yeah. You know? they, they've just so, sort of, you know, they want their yeah, jobs. They're not going to co- talk about certain things. Everything yeah. is not a, you know, it's not, a, it's not, a, not a conspiracy. You know, you gotta at least, at least entertain the idea. I say you there's know? room for God in all of this. There's room for divinity. There's room for miracles in that. Uh, they are not all powerful. The perception is, and they want you us to have that, that they're so all powerful that we can't do anything. Now, Granted, as long as we prop them up through our efforts or our money or fear, all of that, they have a lot of power, but it isn't because they were born with it. They kind of usurped it and we gave it up. And so, you know, whether Bobby Kennedy even becomes president, the fact that he's in the running is going to create a lot of consciousness shifts as he speaks about things that are not uttered in certain places. Let's, 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 you know, entertain the idea. Do you think that, do you think genuinely that he he has a chance at winning the presidency i say it's a it's an uphill battle and i say it's unlikely yeah Uh, i'm with you there but it's not me doesn't mean he won't have a positive impact right on what's going on had a positive impact on what was going on did he not 
Now, stranger things have happened. Donald Trump won the presidency. Right. And I didn't, didn't see that coming. That. You know, I mean, holy moly, you know. I think Michael Bolden predicted that. I, I that blindsided pretty much everybody. So yeah. it couldn't happen. Of course, it could happen. Um, but, you know, it's it's not likely because you have to think about the the system that he's uh, that he's running against, the machine exactly. that he's he's up against right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, that's not an easy task for for anybody that's can you know outside of the of the the norm. So, mm-hmm. you know, we'll just we'll just see what happens. Exactly. So Marge, no, don't take it personally. We're all, we're all friends. I, I, I think she got she ticked off at me. Got mad at you. See, we don't get mad at her and she gets, she's allowed to get mad at you. Is that the case? I'll have to message her. Are you mad at Super Don? <laughs> Usually it's the other way around, huh? Right. But yeah, yeah, no, look, I, I'm not, I don't know. Maybe I was being somewhat insensitive by saying get alive, but you know, come on. You are insensitive. Us Gen Xers, these right. things fly out of our mouths, and oh, we don't do. mean them personally. Yeah, it's just you know that that's when you can fire something back at me, and I don't get offended. You know, mm-hmm. just I don't know. Yeah. See, now I have guilt. Oh no! <laughs> Gen X has guilt. Oh my god! No. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, Diane says I didn't see Biden Biden winning last election. Yeah, I mean, honestly, you know, how does a guy win when he's hiding in this basement, right? Never coming out. And when he does, there are 10 people there. There's still weirdness about that. But again, the the anti-Trump fervor was pretty significant. So you got to go, all right, plausible, not likely, plausible, and other, other things that, you know, we may never get to the bottom of. But in a, you know, a free and fair election where you didn't have that level of control, someone like Bobby Kennedy would likely rise to the very much the top and win the Democratic nomination easily. Because he's got, you know, an appeal to a lot of, of, uh, you know, the uh, independents, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Yeah. yeah. Which I that's, you know, listen, you can't win, but you can't win an election without the independents. Mm-hmm. It's impossible. Yeah. Or um, having control of the voting system. You know, yeah. Thing, so <sighs> you can't say that. You can't talk about that. Nobody's allowed to say anything. Anyway. What did you think? Were you paying attention at all to Dr. Janet Levitin? She brought up some great stuff. I was so happy we got, got her on today to talk about yeah. the gender issue because it's yeah. a different kind of conversation very few ever have, even in, in our media. You know, And there's so many different ways we can, we can you know, different <laughs> ways that we can discuss the issue because there's, I don't, I still don't understand why it is such a thing. Yeah. Right. It was just like, where, where did it even come from? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like uh, the whole drag queen thing is like something brand new. It's not. It's been around for a long time. But it was one of those things where it's like they would, you know, there'd be these shows somewhere in some city, you know, that was adults oh, you're only. Going, you're going to drag shows now, not not transgender necessarily. Well, hold on, because they're yeah, but see now they they're lumped together. Yeah, they shouldn't be. But and yeah. they, you know, yeah. but it's like yeah, I was having know, a debate discussion with my son about this stuff, right? Because he's a very freedom guy. He doesn't like that, you know, certain groups are denigrated and, you know, somehow because they're different. You know, I, I get that. This is, it's not about that, but you could be manipulated into believing it's about that. Because as, as we point out, we're not transphobic or we don't yeah, hate the, people. That's not it the, at all. The tra- and the trans thing is, is it's interesting because mm-hmm. it, it used to be at one time and it started in the 80s back when we were kids was when uh, the, the gay rights movement started. Mm-hmm. And that was that was you know that was a, a a journey that took place over decades before it got to a point where it was just like it then became a you know people didn't didn't uh, 
weren't shocked, mm-hmm. you know, by it. Or I don't know. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it was just, yeah. it became something that has just been, been accepted. Right. Uh, agree with it or not. Mm-hmm. It, it was a societal evolution yeah. that took place. Yeah. Now you've got the trans movement, mm-hmm. which seems like they're trying to do the same thing that the gay rights movement did. Mm-hmm. The problem that you've got is that all of the people that were, and not only the gay rights, but the women's rights thing, you've got both of them now. They're looking at the trans thing and they're going, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that you're, that, that, that's not the same. In fact, what you're doing is you're undoing all, a lot of the progress that we made. Right. Women's athletics, for instance. Yeah. Abs- absolutely. It's yeah. um, so really, it's a mess. It's yeah. a mess. I don't know how that's, I, I don't know how it's going to uh, pan out. But now we can go into uh, the control of a, a society by, altering the value system like the destruction of uh, of marriage in the 20th century through the tax code primarily where everybody had to work you couldn't stay at home to afford to be able to raise kids and and then we get into aspects of women's liberation instigated through cia mechanisms that you know were part of the how do we disrupt society and and, and move it in our way through the hegelian dialectic as well by the way you can assuage your guilt uh marge says she's not mad at you Oh, okay. Oh, did respond. I messaged her. Oh, did she? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She said no. She must, have, said, she must have jumped to a different chat room. Then. I said, are you? No, no. I went into, a, a, I think, a direct message thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> are you mad at Super Don? And she just said no. All right. I feel better. Now. Yeah, good. Thank so, you. I don't want Super Don to feel guilty about anything. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking also talking about uh, Bobby Kennedy running for president. Let's say he were to get the nod as the nominee for the Democrats. Now the big concern is who would his running may be who would be the vice presidential candidate. And that's where it gets really ugly. Like Reagan, they made him take Bush, for instance. You know, you get into that situation where you have a, a bit of a renegade who's not f- towing the party line fully, and they make sure there's someone there like uh, Pence was to Trump, right? An establishment. Uh, so can you find another Democrat candidate that would align with the principles of a Bobby Kennedy? I don't know. And then that's why you see all of these things like uh, Diane says, I don't know. I voted for Trump, but I could possibly be swayed with an RFK Rand Paul ticket. But there's not going to be a Democrat running with a Republican vice president. I don't, I don't know why people are thinking that. Like they said, oh, Bobby Kennedy will run with Trump. He says, no, I won't. I mean, I, why would he is, ever Is that? Kucinich too old to run? Dennis? That's yeah. an interesting uh, backstop. Yeah, I don't know. He's an old guy. He really is. But maybe as old as Biden or older, I don't know. And would would his running mate have to be a Democrat? I don't think it's required. I don't know. But in order for the Democratic Party machinery to push it on through, they're going to want a veep that, you know, aligns with the Democrat. Wouldn't that be interesting? I've heard of this before, but wouldn't it be interesting to have a president in one party and a vice president in the other. I think there used to be that it was the second place winner early on. Yeah. So that was the case in the early part of, uh, you know, the electoral college and how that worked. Interesting to think, or just to kind of ponder how that would, party, how that would work. Parties took over and made it different in that regard to make yeah. it only, uh, you know, party tickets. Now, all of this discussion of presidential politicking and stuff doesn't diminish what I said yesterday about the ways we need to go back local as local as possible to withdraw consent, to withdraw support, to, you know, stop participating and propping up a system that you claim you hate, you don't like, you know, is denigrating, you know, is enslaving you. And that's a big 
stretch for some still to to nullify all that which we would say oh well we'll just vote the bums out and and, and it'll correct itself no that's not how it works ultimately it, it's by your behaviors by what you do or choose not to do and that it may even be in participating in elections because i don't fault anybody who doesn't vote you know that and so what if they threw an election and no one showed up to vote how great would it be to, to basically delegitimize the entire system which we now you know we realize if you haven't already that the du jour united states has long since been bankrupted out of existence where we have um you know an absolute corporate corporatocracy uh, a fascistic control by by global corporations of our government now do i say well then why are you supporting you know jonathan emore they ask and i'm like well look i recognize that each human being has a spirit they're in, 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 imbued or endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, right? And that is to be an influence on others, to have a sphere of influence of, that's positive and uplifting, even in environments that I would choose not to go to. You know, as people have said, hey, why don't you run? Like, I have no interest in, you know, I, have to, I have to bathe with Brillo pads to get, when I go to DC, just to get that stuff off of me. I don't want to be in that. I will support good people that I know personally, that have integrity to get in there that, I believe can come out unscathed, at least in the sense of like a Ron Paul, not corrupted by it. It's very rare, but it's not impossible. We've seen examples of it, statesmen or stateswomen, but there are very few. But if you put one more in, it has a positive impact, maybe a hundredth monkey scenario or something, but it doesn't mean that's all you need to do is my point. I don't mind talking about elections and putting good people in, but in context, of course, with our behavioral shifts so that those folks that are already there are not empowered to do worse things, you know, as we live in fear and, you know, just cower in their presence or the thought of their presence. So I still support good people going in there. I'm just saying it's not the only thing. It might even not be the main thing, but it's still an important part of life is we get to decide what is our bliss? How do we want to support? What do we want to do to affect change? Uh, so I'm not trying to denigrate anybody that participates either. All right. Drop the mic on that one. Yeah. Let that, let that be what it be. All right. What else we got today or tomorrow? We got Jonathan Emore coming up. I want to watch the uh, interview with Mike Adams that Emore did. I was like five minutes into it and then we had to start our show. So I'll get back to it. But uh, thanks to Allison, our friend, she sent it to me as well. She's like, hey, check this out. And y'all can still support Jonathan Emore. Still a good thing, I believe. So I'm happy to talk about that. Also happy to talk about Nutritional Frontiers. Remember RSB 15 discount code, even on sale items. So you get to double dip in most things. And of course, Trinity School of Natural Health, Trinity Health Freedom Expo coming up, the live event right before it. So never too late to plan for October already. And we learned from Ty Bollinger, they're considering the possibility of doing a TTAC live event. I don't know. I'm not holding my breath because it's a lot what they do, but that's kind of cool. Leslie, you like the show today? Thank you, Leslie. Is there a new episode of Stay at Home Mom on the Robert Scott Bell Show podcast network? We had one a few days ago. Yeah. That was the one of her interviewing the military. That's right. We had her on the show. Remember? Yep. We talk about it. Cleaning up sticks and the yard today. Cause we're all going to be at the RSB family union at Leslie's place in Southwest Missouri. And that's also one of the upcoming events. we got, we, the Patriots USA coming up right after the advanced medicine conference. Has Batar ever responded to you about the discount code? Nope. That's annoying. I'm have to give him a call. Like what's up with that? So we got all kinds of fun stuff happening. Like I said, somebody opened the email. So. Okay. I hope that they would respond. I kind of assume they would. Yeah. 
Mm-mm-mm. As an independent, Diana says, I would vote for RFK Jr. if I thought he could win. Well, yeah, that's an interesting statement, Diana. And, you know, I, I only vote for who I think will win. And yet the system, as we can argue, has been rigged for a long time, too. So I don't dispute that. Certainly at the presidential level, for the most part, with the rare exception, I'm like, I still don't know how Trump won that first time. I was like, definitely didn't predict that. Uh, but the idea of a vote, well, it's it's an endorsement of the system. So that's why it's sticky for me to go, oh, you got to participate in that, really? Uh, at the same time. Uh, the idea is the vote is a communication tool to say, hey, I supported this candidate, whether he could win or not. I want to let you know this is what I feel about you guys that I'm not voting for, right? Lesser of two evil scenario. And then there's the argument, but if you vote for him, then the worst thing gets in. It's like, okay, we can go there again if you want. So what else we got? Oh, okay, Leslie says she wants to give a ticket to someone who wants to come to the family union but cannot afford it. Oh. All right. How are we going to, we got to do a contest for that, or, or maybe you have to write in and say why you want to go or, or something. I didn't know there were tickets. Yeah. You have to buy tickets to come to the event. There's a limited number of people that can fit. Oh, gotcha. Okay. All right. There's a lot of expenses associated with, it. I don't think it's unreasonable at all, but no. if somebody wants to come in, that's an obstacle. We want to see them. Is that something we it. should put like on the banner or something? Yeah. I don't know. Oh, speaking of banner. Yeah. Uh, did you want the Cancer Control Society event to be on the upcoming events? Definitely. Yeah, I'm in. Okay, it's there. Okay, cool. I had to create one. Oh, good job, man. Thank you. So it's uh, I, I want to see it. Can you show it? I'll show you the, I'll show you the banner itself. Hold on. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna open the upcoming events tab just to look at it because I haven't seen it here today. There you Are go. Are you looking already? Yeah, it's it's warm in here. Whoa, well, right. Cancer Control Society, 48th annual cancer convention i knew it was in between 40 and 50 how fast does it get up to 50 it's amazing september 2nd through 6th labor day weekend glendale hilton hotel 100 west glen oak boulevard glendale california dude that's so awesome well so done. that's there and then also while you were mm-hmm. talking with ty yeah i created that as well Red Pill Expo 2023, August 12th, 13th, Des Moines, Iowa. Yay. And you created that because they didn't have one. Correct. It's amazing. You were amazing. So there Nobody you go. Question we're, all, we're all caught up. Super, super duper. And it's in there. Yeah, well done. Nicely done. Cancer Control Society is up there. Love it. Love it. After the Maho Summer Splash. And the Family Union, July 14th through 16th at Leslie's Place. Reserve your spot. So we'll have to talk to Leslie about how we can do like a giveaway of a ticket for that event. Well, and then we got the uh, Biomed Expo in Las Vegas, 14th through 17th of September. Superdome wants to come and be part of the UFO side of the expo. Totally. You don't, do you? Leslie says, James wants to make a cornhole game with your face on it. I don't like that idea. And we will give it away at the event. I don't think that would be something... No. So here's what we do, Leslie. I'm going to send you that funny picture of of, of Robert's face that you can use on the cornhole game. Yeah. And it'd be perfect. There's something wrong. Something (laughs) not good that's happening right now. Leslie. Uh, Yeah. See, look, actually, Leslie came up with the idea right as I did. She says, Don, I think we should use the retired pick for the cornhole game. Uh, I don't think I'm, I don't think I can show my face around anymore. No. Too much. 
Not that face anyway. Yeah. <laughs> no, please not. <laughs> I see you put the organic, the sweet corn organic nursery code R up there. Yep. Five percent off orders of ten dollars or more. Thank you. Yeah, and the live clean contact organics uh, is up there as well. Yeah. No, he doesn't need to show it again. It's all done. All done. <laughs> I don't In think fact, I have I think it. I better take some more of my full spectrum certified organic U.S. grown hemp CBD from Nutritional Frontiers CBD. Oh, and she said James hasn't seen it. Oh, that's all right. James doesn't need to see it. You just rewind and, and watch the show from earlier. And while you're at it, watch Janet's uh, interview. It was great on the transgender stuff we talked about. Okay. All right. What I'll else? I'll just send it to you, Leslie. No, that's even All worse. Right. So you'd rather I show it? Okay. Now you, you got me between that rock and a hard place and a cornhole game. All right, James, oh. if you're looking, there's the really? face. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thanks, Thank James, you. for asking. No, that's not right. That's horrible. That would totally work for cornhole. But it would be totally, as I said, this is the kind of face I would make on purpose in, in high school to make people laugh. Yeah. Rumble, okay, let's see, Mar Marge said, Mar Rumble wouldn't let her post. Went to Kate's show to see what he had on, she had on. <laughs> Kate Daly. Yeah. She had a guy on saying that the Antichrist will come out in King Charles. And he was serious, but not, and not trying to be funny. Okay. <laughs> I don't think I can compete with that topic. All right. Well, that is that's about it. Tomorrow, let's see. We have Jonathan E. Mort. I don't see anybody else. We have Michael Bolden, Tenth Amendment Center, Tenth Amendment Center, scheduled for Friday. I don't know what we're doing in terms of our Sunday conversation. That'll be a Mother's Day show. I think we should have a mother on. Mm. Well, I don't know what to do for that one yet. So we'll figure that out. How about this? What? How about? Um, I will shoot a message over to our friend Ula. Okay. And see if maybe Ula and Mark might want to, uh, chat about stuff. Yeah. We could I'm do a to it. happy mother's day, uh, for Ula. Okay. And then we could have Mark, uh, give kind of the spiritual. Those uh, are our co-hosts for what? The preacher and the Polish girl. That's right. On the Robert Scott Bell podcast network. Let's see if they're available. Uh, let's see. Monday we have Brad freedom. And then Tuesday, Paul Baratero, natural ND, coming on for Trinity as well. And we'll get some updates on uh, the Echo Technologies, Echo Water as well on Tuesday. And, uh, our AMA this month is the 22nd. We had to do another weekday because uh, the weekend Saturdays were just way full. And then we have, uh, after that, the Advanced Medicine Conference in St. Louis. And then after that, the Boise, Idaho event. Uh, which is the We the Patriots USA, all those are upcoming events. And I got it. That's all I got. All right. Well, thanks for hanging out, guys. Appreciate thanks it. Here. Yeah. And uh, we will be back tomorrow. Jonathan E. Mord. Yeah. Sacred Fire of Liberty. Oh, Les, somebody said, uh, let's see, Diana says, or, or Ula and Leslie to make it two moms. Ula. Ula. <laughs> oh, oh, Ula. Thank you. Yes. Have a good night, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Appreciate you.